How's it going, my dude? Nice to meet you. Just met Hakeem today. He's a super interesting guy. A lot of knowledge on a lot of alternative technologies and interesting subjects that um, I hey, thought only I was into. What's up? Yeah, man. I uh, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you appreciating my experiences because I, you know what it's like. Um, we're we're all very self interested people for the most part, and um, but my my experiences have to do with me, um, you know, just traveling around and just doing things that, you know, maybe a lot of people don't do because they're. And I'm using the word conservative. They're conservative, but not in, not in a political sense. But maybe they are. But uh, I, that's that I don't know. I just mean a lot of people are very conservative in the things that they do because, well, I mean, they're just naturally just afraid. And I'm not making any negative or positive judgment about that. It's just an observation that people tend not to act and do a lot of the things that I do because of inhibitions of all kinds. Yeah, you're a student of the left-hand path. Not afraid to take the path. Let's travel. And you're brave enough to go in a weird direction. Yeah, the, 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 the reason is because it did a lot of the stuff doesn't seem weird to me. I, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, can you hear me all right, Brady? My, my, because my uh, was a little weird. It kind of locked for a second. I just plugged it in so we should be good now. Okay. I just want to make sure, because whenever I hear somebody breaking up a little bit, I just always want to make sure we're all clear. Um, but yeah, you know, this is uh, your room that you hear, the Daily Science Report. So this is a new one that you're doing, right? General discussions about alternative technology. So, um, some days I'll pick a subject. Some days it'll just be random science news, you know? Yeah. Um, but we were really going off on a tangent in the other room about some amazing yeah. stuff. And you had a lot of information to add to a lot of what I was talking about, actually. I was learning a lot from you. And so maybe it'd be a good idea to just kind of go down that list again so we can get it for the record. Yeah. And so, we'll start. yeah, go ahead. Because you, you started so, talking about the DHA and stuff, right? Uh, someone else brought up the DHA, but I think that's a good place oh, okay, to start. Right, right, right. Um, your perspective on the DHA was really interesting, actually about why certain things were not added to the DHA, if you want to well, run through that so, real quick. So first of all, it was, um, I think we're talking about two things. So DHA is docosahexanoic uh, acid, which is one of the fatty acids. Oh. Um, and we're talking about the DSM, which is the Diagnostic DSM, and yeah, Statistical Manual. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, when you're not familiar with all the alphabet soup, it's very easy to get confused. I, I, It still takes me a long time to figure out what the hell is going on sometimes with these uh, all these yeah, different letters. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, we could talk about DHA or the DSM. Um, well, I like you they're both, whichever, whichever look, man, with. With, the, with the kind of experience that I have, which as I'm saying, it, it's not like, oh, I'm so experienced. I know so much more. No, but with the kind of experience, the perspective I have, all that stuff weaves into it. Like I could just make any entryway into either one of those things and they will eventually yeah. cross over into each other. So right. like, so for example, DHA, also known as docosahexanoic acid, is one of the more popular fatty acids that people know about. The other one is EPA, which stands for icopentacenoic acid. And these are the omega-3s and omega-6s that we mostly find in like fish oils and things like that. Um, DHA is found in every single cell in the body and is so uh, necessary for development of immune system, 
and so many different things like um it is such an integral part of the body like it it is integral in in stem cells like you can't have stem cells and differentiation of stem cells without dha it's all up in the brain it's so much all over the place there are even institutions that should be using this research for our benefit that are actually using it to screw people over and um, let me explain what i mean about that uh dha um so my so one thing people should know is that um years ago one of the loves of my life i've only been in love with two women in my whole life even though i've had a bunch of girlfriends um one of them was christine and the other one was my was floor who became my wife and she passed away almost three years ago um but the first christine she was diagnosed with uh, bipolar and because of that i went through a whole lot of stuff with her um and which led me down to doing a lot of research and that's how i learned about something called orthomolecular medicine which then led me to researching orthomolecular psychiatry which people should who listen to this recording or listening live should make note of these things because they're going to become very important uh as time goes along people should know who linus pauling is they should know that there's a Linus Pauling Institute at Oregon State University. They should know that Linus Pauling wrote a paper in 1968 called Orthomolecular Psychiatry, which states that varying the concentrations of substances normally occurring in the body may control or prevent mental disease. They should know that uh, he's the only person in history to ever win two unshared Nobel Prizes. One for chemistry, because he's a badass chemist, or was when he was alive, and two was the Nobel Peace Prize for his work using his his perspective from chemistry to lobby against the effects and then and the fallout from nuclear bomb testing. So this guy, uh, not only and you know you're talking about like I want, and I'm going to stick to things like you have in your description, right? General discussion about alternative technology. So even though this should not be considered alternative, it should be considered mainstream. He developed a philosophy and an approach to how people can successfully treat mental diseases by varying the concentrations of substances that are normally found in the body. And then many other pioneering medical doctors, including Abram Hoffer, Humphrey Osmond, um, lots of other people who I've been directly in contact with. Um, uh, Hala Cass is one of them who used to be an, an associate professor at UCLA. And I think she was actually let go because of her stance on uh, orthomolecular psychiatry um, and I was directly connected to UCLA because my my love Christine was a patient of Dr. Mark D'Antonio there um, and I anyway I got to learn a lot of stuff about that so I just wanted to make some some notes so people have some background just look up Linus Pauling if nothing else L-I-N-U-S P-A-U-L-I-N-G. That's something that, that's a person that people, you, you will learn so much about alternative technologies and mainstream chemistry and all kinds of stuff from looking at this guy. I mean, he has, I, I could go on and on. I, he's like one of my idols and heroes that I've never met um, because of the work that he's done. I love um, those characters you come across, those heroes, those heroic, uh, heroic <laughs> individuals of science, you know, they just like blow your mind and just, yeah, for the rest of your life, it just forever, they become like saints, you know, like a personal saint. Yeah, um, because he just, 
I mean, they he really put out a lot of good information there. Hello, hey, somebody named Lynette just joined the room. Lynette Killer Queen B. I love that. I always like looking at people's uh, uh, profiles here. Wouldn't you like to know? I'll tell you this. <laughs> I know who I am not, and that's your bitch. <laughs> oh, man, that's so cool. Um, and JoJo's here now, too. So, um, Brady, tell me about, like, because you said earlier when we were in the other room with Schnarf uh, that it, without psychedelics, um, you know, you wouldn't be the same person and you function a lot better because of them. And I'd like to actually, I'd actually like to know a little bit about that as I look at real quick. Jojo is here. Jojo Pastors, uh, strategist at UBS. I'd like to know what that is. And podcaster at Happening Now. That's pretty cool. UBS shout, out, shout out to Hakeem for uh, entertaining us today. I like the uniquilibrium handle. I think that's very cool. And Thank you. I'll explain like, that at some point in time. <laughs> you got your own podcast thing. I'm definitely going to check out your podcast. Looking forward to that. Yeah, it's um, it's been some alternative stuff. But yeah, but real quick, just so um, I want to know a little bit more because you know, even though I've seen you in other rooms and and I've creep, crept around a lot. And I looked at your profile before some of the stuff you said today in the room earlier. I'd like to know just a little bit more about your experience with psychedelics, why you got involved with them and um, and how it's helped you. So those three things like um, why and how you got involved with psychedelics and why, you know, and how they help you. Things like that. Yeah. So I started life. Uh, interestingly, like I, you know, I, I didn't talk for very long, but I could arrange the alphabet on the uh, fridge with the magnets, you know, so I learned my alphabet pretty early. It took me a while to talk, but once I started talking, they had a hard time shutting me up, you know. I was a really interesting kid. Taught myself how to multiply when I was three, you know, and so when I got into elementary school, um, uh, they, I was reading chapter books in kindergarten, you know. I was way ahead of the other kids. I didn't realize it at the time, how far ahead I was. But, um, you know, I was, I pretty quickly became bored of school. I'm like, I, I pretty quickly realized that this is just like, this is such a waste of time. Like, you know, like, what are we doing here? Like, and so I'd fuck off, you know, I'd doodle, do whatever. And I kind of just like ditch the program, ignore my homework, you know, ignore the work. I'd be like, I already know how to do this, <laughs> you know? And, um, in first grade, they put me on Siler, Ritalin, and eventually Adderall is what they went with they ended up sticking with that and um that was to get me to focus on my work more but it didn't help at all like my grades didn't really improve much um and they slowly started cranking up the dosage pretty heavy it affected my sleep i would just stay up every single night until about two or three o'clock watching nick at night like taxi reruns and that was a total waste of my time, you know? Um, but it's all I had, you know, back in the day. And my parents were both kind of like redneck hillbillies. They didn't know any better. Didn't really have access to any really good information outside of like the National Geographics and my grandma's bathroom. <laughs> and so I was pretty deprived. And so I had bad sleep and a rough childhood. And those two things together... I had like PTSD. I was very paranoid. I couldn't have trust issues, trusting other people, you know? And, um, 
that led to me being kind of mildly schizophrenic where it was just like, I thought everyone was out to get me or hurt me at all times when that might not necessarily be the case, you know? And so I was really defensive and rude and just kind of nasty. And I still kind of exhibit some of these characteristics. Like I, I can be pretty, pretty bad, but especially to bullies. If I feel like, if I feel like someone's being a bully, I'll fucking attack them. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll go after them in front of everyone. And sometimes I go a little overboard, you know, but, um, I was, you know, uh, always a weird kid. And I, they, like I said, they put me on a ton of Adderall. That made me even weirder. I didn't, like I said, I didn't sleep. It got so bad in high school that I would hear the voices. This happened in middle school. Um, I started hearing the voices of people I knew saying my name. And I would see shadow people out of the corner of my eye, stuff like this, like hallucinations not good, interesting hallucinations, just creepy, weird hallucinations. Um, and so when I turned 17 on my own accord, without any support from my school counselors, teachers, siblings, friends, parents, doctors, anyone, I decided to cold turkey somehow quit taking Adderall. And I managed to do that. And I replaced it with surfing. And just overnight, like over the course of like that first month without it, God is like, like someone pressed pl pressed play in my life again. Like that kid that I was in kindergarten came back and I, I would have synesthesia, you know, um, kind of psychic abilities, all these kind of weird, interesting things kind of started coming back and all my, all my, got all my powers back basically. And, uh, it killed my creativity when I was on Adderall. I had absolutely no creative, um, will whatsoever. Like in, when it came to writing class in English, I could not write papers to save my life. I, I hated writing. I hated reading. I hated writing. I hated it. I hate it. was such a chore. Oh, I couldn't stand it. And as soon as I got off of the Adderall, I became a reading machine and a writing machine. Now I'm a professional writer. Like I got paid to do research writing for a while and I'm considering getting back into writing just as like a little side hustle. And, um, I'm actually a pretty good writer now. Um, and I love reading. I'm a reading machine. Like I read the whole internet every day and I'm just so into it. And so getting off of the Adderall was huge for me. And cannabis certainly was after high school, you know, um, I started smoking cannabis regularly and that helped a lot, you know, that helped to repair a lot of the damage that was done and basically brought me back to normal. And it was once I got a hold of psychedelics, though, that, that totally just set me on the right path, you know, um, brought me back to it, brought my inner child back to life. I felt safe enough to let my inner child out, you know, um, and uh, really repaired all those trust issues that I was having and helped me see things in a different perspective. And I just became a much nicer person. And I used to not be able to keep plants alive. Now I'm a gardener, you know, I, I grow and propagate rare plants. And um, it's just like, it's, it's just completely changed the person I am for the, the absolute better. It's made me more myself, you know, the, to say, you know, I was already a pretty cool kid when it started. Um, um, so I have that going for me, but I, I certainly suffered a lot of damage. And then I was caught with mushrooms in 2011 and I had to go on felony probation for five years, which meant I couldn't smoke cannabis for five years. And I was so traumatized by the experience that I was afraid of getting mushrooms on my own. 
and I didn't even use psychedelics for those five years. And it was a disaster. I started drinking more. I started smoking cigarettes, um, tore my life up for five years. And then, you know, five years were over, finally got everything taken care of, started smoking weed again. I'm back to normal. <laughs> I'm doing much better now. So, and it's made me a much more productive and happy and helpful human to the entire community. I started three community gardens on my own. Didn't cost my community a dime. Didn't cost the taxpayers anything out of my own pocket. You know, made three community gardens happen. Um, I used to work for a community garden back in the day. Did a lot of work for them. Really helped build up the whole thing and then kind of got thrown under the bus and undervalued. So I kind of broke away, started doing my own thing. And that has really paid off for me. I'm doing really good as a freelancer now. I'm a freelancer musician. I have a show coming up tomorrow and playing drums for. And I host karaoke. I'm going to be hosting karaoke at my grandma's retirement home. So there's a lot of freelance, a lot of handyman stuff I do. But I, I make jewelry. I sell art. I make toys, all kinds of things. And general all-around hustler. I just, you know, find all kinds of creative ways to make cash. And... Yeah, I'm a freelancer now, and I love it. Absolutely love it. I can make $100 an hour, anywhere from 20 to $100 an hour as a freelancer. So it's pretty good work. I bet. You know, as I'm listening to you, I find that uh, there are a lot of similarities and parallels between us. Like, for example, and let me step outside here because music is a little loud. But um, so one thing, you said you worked for some community gardens. Well... Floor, Floor Elizabeth Carrasco, my wife, she, that was one of the things she did when I first met her. When she came to California and we were together, she would work for community gardens and things like that. The other thing is um, I'm an avid reader. I tear through anything that I could possibly read. As a matter of fact, on Colin, several of the podcast shows that I've started are simply me reading like scientific articles or me going back into blogs that I had written like 16 years ago and reading them and refining them and just basically using it as a way to make raise awareness about a subject that I think that would be helpful to people and also creating content with it through like Colin or Wisdom or even now I just discovered Twitter spaces. Um, and also to help to correct and make sure that my information is good and that it still actually is, if it's not evergreen, I can update it and make it useful to people. And, and and so things like, like that, and like how you just go around and and freelance, I've been doing a lot of the same, even when I have a so-called job, like right now I'm in Virginia beach and I work for a big box gym, but the way that it's set up is I don't really, I have to, I go to meetings, um, once a month for like just a one-on-one meeting with a group fitness director and then a group meeting with all the other personal trainers. But other than that, I make my own schedule. Um, I don't have to go in if I don't want to. Um, as long as of course you communicate with the clients and whatnot. Um, and then I do like security jobs on the side and like film and TV stuff. And then I'm also kind of loosely, I'm calling it a marketing agency right now and I'm doing my own marketing thing because that's important for people nowadays. But all in all, everything you said, and I didn't even really faithfully reproduce it, but we have a lot of similarities and I'm glad that you, you know, we connected with each other today to have this discussion and continue more in the future because um, it's very rare. Hey, Shardol's, Shardol's on the line. Yeah, um, so, I was going to say, we yeah. are pretty rare individuals. <laughs> and we it, need to network. Yes. We absolutely That's need right. to network. Work together. That's right. Hey, uh, so. is that how you pronounce it? Shardol? Yeah. Uh, welcome. So, um, so, so what, are question. Your, what are your guys' top five goals of alternative technology? Like, how do you see alternative technology? Um, how, how does it help the environment? 
is um like do you have a like a view on it yeah um so i think um a good place to go next would be the uh, was the dsm i believe um which is yeah the dsm diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders I think that that is both a useful tool for mitigating a lot of the issues we have as humans, and it's also been turned as a bit of a weapon against us uh, for yeah things that do not benefit us. So it's a it's a bit of a blunt tool, but it is a, a useful tool nonetheless. But go, well, your points on that were brilliant. If you want to kind of elaborate well, on that, two of the two of there's another uh, text I'd like to add to that. Um, one is, okay, we, the DSM-5, because that's the edition we're at now, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is published by the American Psychiatric Association. And then there's another book that goes along right with that, because you couldn't have a diagnostic book without the physician's desk reference, although also known as the PDR. Um, and that is basically the billing Bible. It, it's basically a, a phone book kind of thing a reference, a directory of all of the medications that are currently uh, in use um, in alphabetical order and who makes them and how to administer them and all of that good stuff. So it basically just tells you how much you should give every patient on what schedule and everything like that. It's, it's what's also known as the billing Bible of the medical industry because if you follow the directions in there, just like a recipe of baking a cake or something like that, and by the way, a lot of people should know this, that cooking and scientific uh, experimental reproduction and scientific experiments are pretty much identical. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people who cook, if you're a good chef, you would be an equally, you could be an equally good scientist. Uh, uh, especially, I've, always thought, especially, I've always felt that way. <laughs> yep, especially so, uh, a laboratory or research scientist. <clears throat> yeah, so from, um, it's a very alchemical process, both of those things. So for me, I'm a really, I'm a big fan of um alternative fuel vehicles, like the electric vehicles. I'm really a big fan of them because they, they, um, they don't like pollute the environment. So they're really good. Like if you're really concerned about pollute, the environment getting polluted and all about that stuff, you know, you should, you should invest your money in a Tesla because it's, it's a good, it's a I'm good gonna, uh, use of your money. And, you know, I'm going to mess with you a little bit on that, Shargo. Oh, yeah. I'm going to mess with you and push back on that and say that. Uh, first of all, electrical vehicles are not an alternative technology, and they're not that much better for the environment in the current state that they're in. But I understand your sentiment, and I know where you're coming from, and I hear your good intentions. And so me pushing back on you, just take it, it's friendly, and I'm just, you know, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that that's not the whole entire picture. Um, so let but, me, um, but, yeah. let me, so, uh, so something else that um, I want to say is that it says alternative fuel vehicles protect against global warming as well as pollution. So in a way, um, they do good things for the environment. Like they're, they are, they're in, they have some good sides and some bad sides to, um, you know, owning a Tesla, owning a, a alternative fuel vehicle. They have, they have their, 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 their side, their good and bad sides. And so I'm not, I mean, I, I, I'm not like uh, disagreeing with you on, on my point. Have you, have you heard of, um, did you know that, and, and guys, I've seen this firsthand, so this is not me just making this up, but I had a friend, I don't know what her last name is now, so I'm not going to say it because we're not really friends anymore, but her first name is Amber, and years ago, she had a white Ford Bronco, like an old O.J. Simpson looking fucking truck, 
And um, anyway, she had this device that she hooked up to it and she put basically water and some electrolytes uh, into a rig in her truck in place of gasoline. And she, it was a, a high, it was an electrolysis and the lysis part is lytic, comes from the, from the word uh, lysis or L-Y-T-I-C, which means to destroy or break apart. And so this was taking, using electricity to separate the hydrogen from the oxygen and using the hydrogen as, as fuel. And so she was driving around a hydrogen fueled car, but that company got taken out and I don't know what happened to them, but they were basically using water as fuel. And I, I saw it for myself, or at least, it, at least what I was looking at, the rig, it was rigged to look that way because I saw her put water into the car and, and we drove around in it, or the truck. Um, so there are other alternative fuels too um, that are just not being... Uh, oh, and the, and the byproduct of that was water again, by the way. <laughs> so it would break the water apart. And, would, and yeah, and then, the, and then when the water, uh, when it would be burned and put back into the air, it would become water, yeah. Distilled water again. It would take you could actually put out. you could put dirty water in and get clean, pure distilled water out. So, so that's, that's right. um, hey Samantha, I see you in the room. So when when Welcome. what Brady's talking about that um it's called gray water, which is basically gently used water from your bathroom sinks, showers, tubs, and washing machines, and then it's not water that comes in contact basically either from the toilet or washing diapers. So it's he said this water is relatively clean water that's that is being used in everyday things like water from the shower. So it's basically like reused water from irrigation source. And then it's, you can use it for your plants, use it as a fertilizer. It's like really like clean water. That's exactly what, uh, what Brady was kind of talking about before um, I was kind of sharing what I wanted, wanted to say. Distilled water. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's just pure yeah, H2O. Like clean, it's basically clean water that people use on ir for irrigation systems, you know, for landscaping, you know, so you can reduce I drink your it. water bills within That's your household. That's how I filter all my water. I, I distill all of my water before I drink it. Um, and, I and, drink gray, distilled water. and gray water re reuse is considered an alternative technology because it's an environmentally friendly way to reuse and save water. Yeah, we really should um, have a show about water resources. That's a good idea. I will actually make a show about um, water preservation and a, a show all about water. I mean, water is such an interesting molecule. We do a whole show and about another, that. And another um, form of uh, alternative technology would be wind turbines, which are based converting uh -huh. wind into electrical energy. And these, as the these wind technologies blows, aren't exactly as alternative as we're hoping to get into with this show. So I'm yeah. going to bring it back to Hakeem and let him take us into an even more alternative direction, if, if you can believe it. Well, you, you guys better be effort ready. Uh, but... So, and I was actually about to say that and bring it back to, because um, Brady was saying earlier, you know, he mentioned the DSM-5 and then I, I brought up the, the PDR, the Physician's Desk Reference. And there's a lot of things that I have firsthand knowledge of, but then there's a lot of things that are possibly tied in with, uh, I'll admit, maybe I'm, at some point in time, I probably could be a little delusional. Hello, North, how you doing? Um, but the, 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 it doesn't discount the things that I've seen and the things that have happened because they are my experiences. I'm just not sure. And this is me also being a little self-deprecating. I'm also not sure how much of them also are fully real, except for the fact that I'm still alive. I'm very empowered, regardless of many of the things that I've experienced in my life. Um, and one of them, 
has to do with, since we're talking about water and electricity, are my experiences with liquids and electricity. And uh, first, one of the things that started happening to me when I was uh, very young, about four years old, I started spontaneously having lucid dreams. Um, and for people who don't know what lucid dreams are, first of all, it's a real thing. Jojo Pastor says, I've seen mechanics use water, electrolyte water, and Pedialyte in cars, and they run. No? So, so there's some evidence right there that she says, or somebody else saying that. Um, and uh, so I had these very fantastic experiences where I was simply transferring from one world to another. And at four years old, when I started having these experiences, I can only uh, comment on it now about what uh, it might have been. Um, cartoons like He-Man, for example, or other shows that were on TV then where, where people would, would walk through portals and they would just portal from one place to the next. And you've only seen that recently in movies that have to do with Marvel entertainment and the Marvel Cinematic Universe with like Thanos and other characters um, like Apocalypse and whatnot going through portals from one place to the next. So when I was younger, I thought that as I was waking up from a lucid dream, because I had no reference to what was actually happening, happening, I thought that I was simply coming from a portal from one world into another. And I thought it was real because no, I didn't talk to anybody about it really. And my, I'm not sure if I said anything to my parents, but I would wake up in the morning and simply think I'm leaving from this world that I go to. That's usually, that's different a lot of times and sometimes the same. And I'm just gonna get up and you know take a shower, eat breakfast, brush my teeth and go to school. And then later on after I get back home and watch cartoons or whatever, I'm then gonna go back to sleep and go into this, this world. So I wasn't one of those kids who the parents had to be like, it's time for bed, you have to go to bed now, because I wanted to, because I would go into a completely different world where I had superpowers and all these other things. You happen to but, be an Aquarius too? No, I'm a, a Virgo, which I am though an Aquarius rising, and I'm not very much into astrology, but I just happen to know that because uh, the person I was talking about earlier, Christine, she, I believe, is an Aquarius. She was born uh, January 7th. It's her birthday. Um, I had very and... similar experiences as a child, very lucid so, dreams. Um... I was very similar. Never had a problem going to bed because dream, dream time was amazing. Yes, so sir. when you when you're talking about lucid dreams, is it kind of like... A, sim a scenario where um, you're sleepwalking at night and then you, you don't no, know, sir. you're thinking about a dream? No, sir. Is it, it kind of like that? No, sir. It's, like it's, it's a full on, uh, uh, um, it's a full on, uh, I don't know what you would say. You're conscious uh, and you're aware that you're dreaming like almost. Yes. It's when you become well, aware a, of your dream of, and you can control aspects of your dream uh, just by thinking of it. Right. So, for example, when I would go but to I sleep was, as a kid, I would have a YouTube yeah. uh, menu of all the past dreams I've had in the past. There would be a little window of a movie playing of that dream and I could just go into that window and enter that dream and experience the dream again fully conscious and have some fun with it. Like I, I could jump high I or I could shoot lasers or I could. Same exact yeah. experiences, man. Lucid dreaming. I was trying to give Shardle a, a different kind of entryway into that because a lot of people have no reference to lucid dreams. So I would basically say it's the equivalent of, but, but much more fully immersed of AR or virtual reality. You really are in a completely different world and you can do almost anything that you want. And 
very recently in the past couple of years, I was turned on to the term super lucid dreamer by a native, an indigenous shaman. Uh, I forget what she calls herself now. She's, she does dream walking. But anyway, she said there's a distinction. There are lucid dreamers and there are super lucid dreamers. And some lucid dreamers are borderlines on people who can simply remember their dreams and then who know that they were dreaming. But super lucid dreamers are where Brady and myself happen to dwell in, which is not only do we know that we're dreaming and that when we wake up, we remember the dreams, but while we're in them, we can also be uh, Black Panther or Thor or Thanos or whatever powers we want and do almost pretty much whatever we want. We become gods of our realities in our own minds. And One of my... So favorite lucid dreams as a kid is a ufo would come and abduct me i'd go up in the ufo and on the walls inside of the ufo were a bunch of random beautiful girls and i would swipe like tinder until i picked one that i thought was interesting and then we would take the ufo we would fly the ufo to like a beautiful destination and we would go like have this amazing date like this beautiful conversation like sometimes it was sexual sometimes the conversation was so good it took up the whole dream like you know it was amazing yeah. it was so cool and uh yeah and I, I don't have it like i used to but yeah that's a, a great example of one i feel like so um Something else I wanted to wanted to add to lucid dreams was that when I when I think of the word lucid dreams, it it, it, it automatically think I think of Inception, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie called Inception, where he has a dream within a dream with a he he lives one dream within another dream in another dream. Basically, he's living three dreams at once. And that's yeah, what yeah, I think that's about a... when I think of lucid dreams. That's the movie I completely can that's, connect to lucid dreams. It's very Not, similar. But it's not faithful. Thing, yeah, no, it's I mean, similar, it's, but it's not faithful. Yeah. But but basically, isn't lucid dreams where like some like, one is conscious that he or she is dreaming and all the things are happening all within a dream? No, no, it's simply just you can control your reality. That's let's simplify it. You can and, simply and, and, and when people right think now of you lucid can simply dreams, control your reality. Yeah. Sometimes people aren't unaware that they're actually dreaming. Yeah. So these are so again, I want to make the distinction. There are people who can remember their dreams, and that's like actually uh, stretching it for a, lo a large part of the population. Most people, first of all, don't even know that they dream at all. So jumping to the point of even remembering them is phenomenal for most people. The second thing I was talking about is knowing that you're in a dream. That's, that's considered to be a lucid dream, is that you're like, oh, this is not my normal waking consciousness. This is a dream. And then there's another level that's called super lucid dreaming, which is where not only do you know that you're dreaming, but you can control it. So you could be standing up and you could say, I want a motorcycle and you can make one manifest out of what looks like thin air. It's not really air because just like in the matrix is like, do you really think this is air you're breathing? He's like, what about the hair on your head, the plugs on your back of your neck and your head are gone. It's a residual self image that you can, con you can change and control just the same way that Neo became aware and he could stop the Smiths and he could stop bullets. That's the clo that's closer to what lucid dreaming is actually like the first Matrix movie than Inception. Inception, I wrote a couple articles called Inception Distraction, uh, Inception Extraction Deception, because I feel like the movie itself, although it was a great film, was deceptive because they made it seem like an Inception was more difficult than an extraction. 
And I, I would like to explain why I feel like it was deceptive, whether or not that was deceptive on the part of James Cameron or whoever the hell made that movie. It was completely wrong in certain ways, like fundamentally wrong about just how the human brain works and just and how dreams and things like that work in general. They had some things right, like creating an architecture and and being able to change your environment and going into different levels of dreams, because I've been three levels deep before I've woken up from a dream. And we're like, wow, that was a cool dream. And then I was still dreaming and woke up again. So um, so they got some things right. But now let me talk about what was wrong. And it's the whole idea that they made the name of the movie Inception. So follow along with me while I take you on this tale, everyone. Um, so now, before I do that, is there something that you wanted to say, uh, Shardol or, or Brady, um, before so, I continue? So the director. I was going to recommend actually that we was, hold um, the dream conversation for uh, an, all, a different podcast specifically about dreams. Let's let's do that. So, Maybe um, we just try to stay back on track about the alternative technology on this one because I actually wrote I have a list written down of um, other podcasts I want to make with you in the future as we go <laughs> through this so the director but for, of, for this uh, particular podcast yeah I just want to stay on the dream on the uh, technology track gotcha okay gotcha so um just so um something I would say so the director of the movie Inception was actually Christopher Nolan who direct who directed Interstellar with Matthew McConaughey Okay, I, I appreciate all this. This information is just not Good. super pertinent right. or germane for what we're doing. So let's right do here. it. Let's go. So I'm gonna. Yeah, let's go into the technology again. So let me. I, so I got you, Brady, and I'm on point with you. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna take that. That those reins again you, back. So yeah. You're doing great, by the way. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I hope so. Like you, I've trained myself a lot, and I read a lot, and I've gotten to the point where I'm able to do a decent job of presenting. Uh, for the most part um so the thing is the dsm right and and the the pdr so physician's desk reference and diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorder and we're specifically talking about the human brain and technologies that can augment that and we we're talking about alternative fuels and things like that so i wanted to go on water and electricity and specifically um, I did start talking about dreams because of that, but that segues into electricity and things like that and technologies that augment the brain. But what started happening to me was I would have really crazy dreams and things like that. And they started because of stress, but mainly because of I started drinking alcohol and I started uh, I, I met I was I worked on as an extra on this movie called Any Given Sunday. It was a football movie back in the day. And then um I met a girl there named Lydia, and then we started dating, and then I started going to the University of Miami campus all the time and staying there a lot, and it was a party school, so I would drink and black out in her dorm room, whatever. And then the first time I ever had a uh, sleep apnea, sleep paralysis experience, was because I was blackout drunk, and I woke up in the middle of the night from a vodka uh, drunkenness, and couldn't move and couldn't breathe, and there was like a being made of like electric blue light uh, above me. And when I tried to sit up, I bumped into her and, and her face rippled like water. But it was, but the waves that rippled away from where my head touched her head were rippling like water, but made of electric electric ripples. It was the strangest thing that I had ever seen. Um, but I had conversations and I started having conversations with these different beings and things like that. And what Brady was talking about, about imagining being in a UFO and being transported to different places and going on dates. Dude, when you were saying that, I got chills because I've had the exact same experiences where I'd be presented with these beautiful women of all different kinds aboard these ships or they would come visit me in my room or they would appear 
um, and exact scenarios that I had just read in some book or something like that, which was just fascinating to me because all of the things were crossing over from dreams into reality. But the technology now um, about electricity and what I started to uh, realize as time went along was that I could manipulate and cause these experiences to happen um, not only when I was sleeping, but when I was awake and I tried all kinds of different things, including electrocuting myself. I know people, that sounds kind of fucking crazy, but yes, I've done all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and uh, I eventually started studying more and more and more and realized that, and this is uh, not quite yet technology, Brady, but it is sort of a way in technology in the sense that Scientologists consider technology. But um, I started doing different kinds of meditations and exercise and stumbled across by accident by doing martial arts and swimming and doing different things like that, that you could actually put together a series of different things that would imitate sort of like a technology and help you to have certain experiences. What I mean by that is that by doing certain breathing exercises and letting your blood sugar get really low by exercising a whole lot and not eating right away, I started having these crazy low blood sugar hallucinations and experiences and dreams and picking up on like radio signals and electrical currents and things like that, that I would then learn later had to do with hypoglycemia or low blood sugar. And that a lot of the things that I were experiencing were biochemical channels and things that were opening because of my blood chemistry specifically having to do with uh, my blood sugar, which interestingly enough, and, I, and I, I will go off on these tangents guys, but the, the band Red Hot Chili Peppers, I feel like they were like some of the deepest scientific occultists ever because one of the first albums that I ever heard from them was called Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And when I thought about that more and more, I was like, holy cow, this is amazing because I had realized from experiences, sexual experiences, and from blood sugar experiences, like not eating or having too much sugar and things like that, that you actually could start to connect to what would be considered mystical experiences from, from post-orgasmic experiences with, with a, a sexual partner, and also just with drinking alcohol, dehydration, and like sugar. Like those things I started to find out were very instrumental in having different experiences to the point where like uh, Brady and I, we were on that other call and we started talking about uh, electromagnetic stimulation of the mind and how you talk about transcranial magnetic stimulation and how that could be helpful for so many people and help with so many things. And so that's right up my wheelhouse, that and nutrition and supplements. And after a while, I continued to start experimenting with these things and uh, I happen to, just because the universe does stuff like this, get together with my, uh, my, my, uh, my girlfriend, Christine, who was diagnosed as bipolar one or two. I can't remember. One of them was really, I think it was bipolar one, which is more severe, um, bipolar one and schizoaffective disorder. And it really sent me down a long, deep rabbit hole studying psychopharmacology and things like that to the point where I started to learn about alternative technologies, which I believe, and I understand actually more than belief, but understand should not be alternative technologies. And if human welfare was the actual goal would be the mainstream technologies. And one of the things that I'm talking about is this science called orthomolecular medicine,
which came from a paper that was called Orthomolecular Psychiatry, written by Linus Pauling, that involves varying the substances that normally occur in the body, including the fatty acids, the vitamins, the minerals, water, sugar, insulin, all of those things that happen in the body, uh, adrenochrome, which is one of the things that happens with, um, with adrenaline. You got adrenochrome and cytochrome and all these other things like that. And so uh, one of the techno technologies that come from that, because we could consider chemistry as a form of technological manipulation because you're moving around different molecules and atoms to create different substances and different chemical reactions. So alternatively, of course, then another kind of chemistry is nutrition, nutritional chemistry. And, uh, and, and then, you know, Brady, something we, I touched on earlier, which you understood as the ultimate form of alchemy, is that I said that, that scientific experimentation and the reproducing of scientific experiments, from my perspective, is exactly like cooking. Because you get a box or a can or something that has, like, let's say you want to make one of those cheap, like, uh, like cornbread mixes or whatever. And you just pour the stuff in a bowl, put some water, maybe something else in it. And But if you follow the exact ingredients, like you, you put one cup of water, one box of this, you know, a little bit of flour, whatever the ingredients they say, and you, you put the exact units, and then you bake it for the exact time at the exact temperature, you're basically reproducing that recipe, which is the exact same thing that scientific research laboratories do when they repeat experiments that were had that were done in one laboratory. It's the exact same thing. They do this experiment, and then they basically give you a recipe that says use. Now, and it goes even deeper because they say use this uh, this centrifuge from this company that as this model from this year that runs at this speed for this time, and use this temperature control at this temperature, whether high, hot or cold, for this amount of time with this amount of ingredients and this many ingredients of these different types that were stored in this thing before. And so they give you very specific protocols on how to reproduce the experiment, which is, which is basically a recipe. That's all it is, because it says, the idea is that if you get the same cake that I got when I did my experiment, then that means that the experiment is true and that we're proving uh, a, a theory. Um, but so it goes from hypothesis, they start doing experiments, and then as the experiments are repeatable, meaning as, as the recipes produce the same cake in different kitchens and different laboratories, then they say, okay, well now this is not no longer a hypothesis, it's no longer a guess, it's no longer this. We now have the evidence, this can now be a theory and, or now a fact in science and so on and so forth. Um, but the alternatives that are missing are the science and the technology is going in a way that does not necessarily have human welfare in mind. And just that little shift in perspective of technology would make it so that the, the experiments, the, the recipes that are being passed around are actually uh, relevant and beneficial to human beings. And most of that has to do on a fundamental level with chemistry. Um, and so ultimately, a lot of the stuff that we'll be talking about has to do with chemistry and but also electricity because you can't have chemistry without electricity because everything technically is electrical there's electrons surrounding every single atom for the most part unless you have um, an ion of, of, of uh, hydrogen uh, which which doesn't uh, which is positively charged but doesn't have any electrons around it but 
will grab up electrons with any opportunity that it gets. Um, but these are the things that are manipulable in human biology, which ultimately is going to, to affect the filter of our perception, our senses, which, which people tend to call collectively as our psychology. And there are many different institutions that will claim to have solutions for that. And one of them that I snuck into uh, some time ago was the Church of Scientology. And I got really deep into, they, they actually have underground like bases and tunnels. One of them is not really a secret secret, but there's one of them underneath the Celebrity Center in Hollywood, California, um, where I used to live off of, it's off of Franklin Avenue. I used to live right, on, right down the street from them on Argyle and Franklin. I could see Capitol Records from the window of my apartment. Um, and they Akeem. were, uh, yes, yes, sir. Hey, what's up, Vlad? What's going on, Brady? Hey, real quick, you, you, you live right there on Franklin and Argyle? I used to. I used to. I don't, you, I don't any, anymore. But when I first moved you, to California in 2002, I lived there. Did you ever go to the 101 Cafe right there? Uh, I don't think I did, but I did perform at the, um, the palace that was right down, that was right across the street from, uh, oh, okay. um, from Capitol Records. I, they since closed, but I, I performed there for the, uh, the fourth annual Zeitgeist Media Festival. And I used to work there as security. And I, I was so fortunate from like 2003 to 2005 to work at a whole bunch of metal, heavy metal shows. Cause heavy metal is like one of my favorite music. So yeah, I worked at a bunch of shows yeah. there for a while. Um, the Palladium. Kills yes. <laughs> Well, it was called. The, go ahead. Continue. Was it the Palladium or was it the Palace? It was one of those two, something like that. That was right there across from. Right. Capitol. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, Brady, uh, take it from here. Re re recenter me on some of the alternative technologies because I kind of went off on some of my personal stuff. So let's get back on track here. I, st I did start talking about some of that alternative stuff, but yeah. Um. <laughs> Brilliant. Um. Specifically, I wanted to go from the. DHM or the DSM um, to um, orthomolecular orthomolecular medicine, yeah, like yeah. NAC, like NAC and um, DHA omega fatty acids and stuff, and how those have a profound effect on our mental health. Yeah, so you know, one segue that I can go into that is something that I've seen that you can't. Uh, you, you wouldn't know it unless you saw it for yourself necessarily. A lot of people kind of probably know this, but here's a fact. Um, and I saw it first and then it was backed up by a psychiatrist that I followed and studied and met in Ithaca, uh, New York. Um, his name is Peter Bregan and I'll get back around to him for a second, but I don't want to lose my thoughts so about the technology. About We'll talk about DHA, fatty acids and N-acetylcholine. Um, Oh, no, N-acetylcysteine is the one you're talking about. There, there is an N-acetylcholine, but we're talking about N-acetylcysteine. Um, and uh, so one of the problems with psychiatric medications, for example, there's three of them that I know very well. I, I know about a lot more of them because I've intensely studied psychopharmacology. But one of them, uh, three of them, one of them is called Abilify. One of them is called Boospyrone Hydrochloride. And another one is Clozapine. And I... And they're in alphabetical order, ABC, Abilify, Buspyrone, and uh, Clozapine. And I know about them because my love, Christine, uh, who I was with before, Floor, my wife, those are the only two women I've ever been in love with. I just uh, want to say that. Much respect for you two queens. But um, Christine was on her psychiatrist when I, I was talking to her on the phone one day when, when we first started kicking off our relationship. And she told me the medication she was on. And I was sitting 
at a friend, John Klein's house, who was the founder of a company called Fat Nugs. And I did a bunch of research with him on marijuana and how that helps people and the whole movement with Jack Herrer and stuff. But one day I was on the phone with her and she was talking to me about, I asked her, so what medications are you on? And she told me, and I looked them up and yes, I'm a very sensitive person. And I will tell you, I cry a lot about shit. Uh, um, but I for real broke down on the phone while I was talking to her because I could not believe the side effects and that her psychiatrist, Dr. Mark D'Antonio would have her on all three of these medications at once. Because what I found out very quickly, just from a cursory search online, just fucking Google, right? Of Abilify, Boost Pyrone, Hydrochloride and Clozapine is that first of all, what he was doing was practicing something that's very questionable, even in the eyes of like people who are strictly adhering to the the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-4 at the time and now DSM-5, and the physician's desk reference. The physician's desk reference, at least at the time, and many psychiatrists were very much against what Dr. Mark D'Antonio was doing, which is called polypharmacy. Polypharmacy. P-O-L-Y, P-H-A-R, whatever the how you spell pharmacy, P-H-A-R-R-M-A-C-Y. Polypharmacy. And it just basically means blending uh, more than one drug that is supposed to treat a certain type of symptoms and it's just frowned upon. You're not supposed to do it. So Abilify, Buspirone and Clozapine are, are all three atypical antipsychotics. And supposedly the science behind atypical antipsychotics is they're supposed to be better than the previous generation of psychotics, antipsychotics like Thorazine and Meloril and stuff like that, which cause problems like tardive dyskinesia, which is a, par a, a neuroleptic or drug-induced Parkinsonism, or neuroleptic malignant syndrome, which is basically HIV or AIDS caused, like a, it, it's a immunodisorder that makes your white blood cell count go way down caused by the antipsychotics. And those older drugs did that, and the newer ones are supposedly not supposed to do that. But even though they're not supposed to do that, they still do. And he put her on all three of them. And I started going deep down a rabbit hole because of that. And one of the things that I found out and that I witnessed for myself was that a person who's not psychotic, you could put them on an antipsychotic drug and then take them off suddenly once you've titrated them up to the therapeutic dosage, which they go by nanograms per milliliter of blood. So you're supposed to have a, a certain amount of nanograms, like 400 nanograms of a clozapine in your blood per milliliter of blood. And that's how they measure it. It doesn't matter if you're a, a five foot two Chinese American woman or an African American man or a six foot four Caucasian male. Uh, and that's the problem with most of the medications, by the way, is they're, they're studied and researched on white men in their prime. And so everybody else that you give those to, just because they're safe for white men in their prime, other people that you give it to that are not white males or in their prime, it's gonna have adverse effects on them that you don't see in the laboratory with the uh, target demographic that you're doing the research on. So one of the things that happens though is when you pull people off of these medications um, very quickly is, well, one, if you pull them off of something uh, like, uh, um, gosh, there's another one that starts with a C, it'll come to me Water. later. Thank, thank you. Thank you, sir. That's the exact one I was talking about. And somebody actually poisoned me with that when I was 19 year old, years old, a 30 year old man named Mark Bird uh, put that inside of some whiskey that he gave me. So first of all, I was 19, not 21. He was 30 years old, 
put uh, clonopin inside of a shot of whiskey that I had. I went into a coma for two days, and when I woke up, I had no idea what happened. I was in different clothes and everything at my friend uh, Mark, I mean, at my friend Mike Bowden's house. And uh, then about a month later, I got arrested for assault and battery because Mark Bird, the person who set, uh, put the drugs and gave me the alcohol illegally, said that I assaulted him. But I don't remember anything about it. But at the time, and remember we were talking about earlier in the other room how black people or other people, minorities, plea out on stuff because they don't know any better, because they're not well represented and don't know. Well, I pled out to a misdemeanor uh, battery because I didn't know any better because the judge was going to throw me in jail on a felony charge. And so I didn't want any felonies. So I pled down, even though I could have totally had that guy thrown in jail for providing not only a prescription medication to, but alcohol to a minor. Um, but anyway, I went off way on there, but clonopin, yes. If you take somebody off of clonopin too fast, they could fucking die. Um, but these other medications, which are also, for example, clozapine, which some people, uh, mix up i've even seen it done in a movie uh, actually a tv show the walking dead this girl gave somebody clonopin or clozapine when they were supposed to give them one or the other and the person died um but uh clozapine is actually um known as a dibenzodiazepine derivative whereas clonopin is just a benzodiazepine but by itself it's more it's very dangerous but if you pull somebody off of one of these other medications like um like clonopin, uh, I mean clozapine, uh, even if a person never was before, they will start to exhibit psychotic symptoms because of the withdrawal. And I'll give you an example of in fiction, but that shows that even more well-known things like uh, recreational drugs like heroin, that these kind of things could happen. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of or seen the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio called The Basketball Diaries. Yep, you, 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 you heard it? Yep, me too. So they, this guy, uh, I think I forget what is the, the black actor's name. I think it was something Ernie something or I forget who his name was. Great actor. Basically locked Leonardo DiCaprio's character into his house in a room to help him go curl turkey off of heroin. And the dude and Leonardo DiCaprio was freaking the fuck out because of the withdrawal made him fucking seem crazy. Well, that's what happens to somebody uh, when you pull them off of. Uh, uh, um, of antipsychotics, even if they weren't psychotic before. So you could make somebody look psychotic and then say, oh, well, you know, we need to hold them on a 72-hour hold. And then they extend that to a 15-day and a 30-day, and then you're in there for two months, simply because they gave you something to calm you down. But let's say, so a woman who didn't eat, who doesn't have enough iron, who has low blood sugar and has her period and freaks out, because it happens, and there's something called cyclic premenstrual syndrome, which is in the in documented in the DSM-5, which is something I've actually seen, and it's actually one of those that actually really exists. But they will, instead of just giving the person some food, water, and rest, which and giving them like 48 hours to recover and get out of that thing, they'll put them on these medications and keep them in the hospital and then say, oh, no, you've got to stay here and be treated on these drugs. So one of the problems with the medications is that they put you on there and then keep you on there for life. The alternative for that is treating people just like what I just said. I said it so quickly, it probably went over people's head. I said, I said, water, food and rest. Water, food and rest. That's orthomolecular treatment. And a lot of people recover if they're given water, food, and rest. It seems so oversimplified, but there's even a book called Your Body's Many Cries for Water. Go ahead, brother. You're so right, man. I, that's something that I turn to regularly is the hierarchy of needs, you know, which is clean water, clean food, and real shelter, you know, just being safe from the elements and not being damaged, basically.
and yeah, sleep is a perfect example. Rest, relaxation, even a little bit of um, recreation, like you said. Um, brilliantly put, like, those three things we should all be focusing on. Um, we have so much in common. It's like you're reading my mind. It's really crazy right now, but a lot of really interesting perspective. You're doing great. <laughs> um, but so those type of things, uh, you, you, can, you can cause somebody to go psychotic by the same mechanisms that naturally cause them to have a temporary issue, a, a, a temporary moment of crisis, which shamanistically, and so I'd like to reference a 1972 book by Dr. Andrew Weil, MD, from Arizona State University or University of Arizona, I forget. But he started an organization called the School of Integrative Medicine. And in his 1972 book, The Natural Mind, there's a section in there in which he addresses psychosis. And I'm paraphrasing, but this is pretty faithful to what he said, because I'm so sure of this, just like how I was able to talk about Linus Pauling and give all those facts and stuff about orthomolecular and those examples. I've done so much research in it. It's ingrained in my mind. And one of the things um, that I find really fascinating uh, hold on one second. What is this? Okay. Yeah, is that um, in the natural mind, he addresses uh, psychosis. And he says, he says that to the same extent that, uh, that a negative psychotic is a burden to society, a positive psychotic could be an asset to society. And he says, but the thing is that you have to remove most mainstream treatments of psychosis, which is uh, most of the National Institutes of Mental Health run and authorized m modes of treatment and organizations. He says you get that and their medications out of the way and you could have psychotics thriving in society. He says that you have to, re he's like, he says that the National Institute of Mental Health and other like organizations will be the last organizations to realize the positive potential of psychotics. And I quote, he says, a potential that's so overwhelming, I am tempted to call psychotics the evolutionary vanguard of our species because they have the ability to control reality or change reality simply by changing their minds. Now, this is a medical doctor, highly respected, who walks the line between uh, integrative medicine, because he didn't even call it alternative medicine. He, he, he's working within the lines of the mainstream saying it's integrative medicine. I'm, I'm starting the school of integrative because we want to integrative. So he says things like integrative and complementary rather than alternative. And I actually like the way that he does that. To a, it's, a, it's a different way of approaching philosophically so that people aren't turned off by, oh, you're a fringe guy. You're one of those anti guys, right? So he talks about complementary and integrative medicine. But, he, but listen to what I just said. If I'm going to repeat this. He says that I'm tempted to call psychotics the evolutionary vanguard of our species because they have the ability to change reality simply by changing their minds. And so be, this and he goes on and on about different uh, indigenous cultures where when somebody shows what we would say is a psychotic uh, or a crisis, um, a psychotic crisis or a temporary, temporary psychosis, they don't lock them up and, and, and restrain, shock and sedate, right? They, they, they shelter them. They give them rest and clean water and let them breathe fresh air and, and let them 
relax and give them good food and, and, and ask them questions and ask them what they've seen and ask them what they've heard and they talk to them about it. And you know what? That worked like fucking gangbusters with Christine. And you know what? I don't talk about this a lot, but Floor Elizabeth Carrasco, my wife, it worked so well with her. It worked so well with her that she was on antipsychotics when I first met her and she said she didn't want to be on them. And I said, look, here's this book by Dr. Peter Bregan called Your Drug May Be Your Problem and Toxic Psychiatry and talk back to Prozac. And here's his protocol for removing the medication. If you do it this way, this is the only way I'm going to help you. But you can't come straight off of it because it's going to fuck you up. You know what? She went four and a half years without any medication. And then she ends up going to New York to visit her fucking pedophile father. And then... And her family... Anyway, enough said, dude. Like, why is it such a pertinent? You when you when you look at the root of psychopathy and these evil fucks like sociopaths, pedophilia is right at the bottom of it, right at the bottom of the barrel. Um, and I'm pretty passionate about getting to the bottom of the Jeffrey Epstein network. I think that that one issue is the linchpin to a lot of the problems we have these days. I'm really passionate about protecting children, getting them organic food in schools, uh, eliminating homework. <laughs> I think that the lives of children could be made much better than they are. And I'm one of those people that I believe in learning from children a lot. I think children are some of the best teachers out there and we need to give them a platform to feel like they are part of our culture, you know? I totally agree. You're absolutely right about that. And my wife, I don't, you know, I, I, you'll hear me sometimes saying, I start to say my wife, but I, I, I just want to say Floor. You know, she's not mine. I don't own her. But Floor, she loved kids. Like, for real. Not just like how people say. I remember when she was in China and then I eventually got to the position where I was a teacher manager and I was hiring teachers and interviewing them. And I just remember all the bullshit and you know how it is when people, and I haven't done this for a long time because I just hate interviewing and filling out applications. That's why I mostly work in, in, in industries where I can just go in and work as a contractor. But people would say all the time, I love children. And they would do all these video interviews and all this bullshit. And I was like, Oh, here's another fucking idiot saying they claiming they love children. I never said any of that shit. I was just like, look, I'm a great speaker. I can, I write, I communicate really well. I'm confident. Even if I'm, if I'm not good at what I do, I can fake it till I make it in front of a classroom and I can teach people how to be great teachers and how to manage their time and their communication and presentation and all that stuff like that. But she, so, but she really genuinely loved kids, but she didn't say that she just loved them and she just did that work and protected them and was a great teacher. And, uh, and it shows like how they would mimic her and do things like these little sponges. Like people don't realize how important children are in the fact that they just learn everything. They absorb everything around them and they start acting like the people that are around them. I mean, the kids would remember songs that I would make up in the class or things that I said like a month ago, I'd come back and they'd be singing some songs. I'm like, how do you remember this? Like what? I don't even remember making up that song. Um, and, uh, but that's one of those things that, you know, it starts with that whole nurturing aspect. And I mean, that could be something that's woven into technology itself is how you treat people. But so um, back on the, uh, the, the, the thing about how people can uh, definitely change their perspective. When you have somebody like, for example, with Floor, 
where she said, I don't want this anymore because I don't like the way it makes me feel. I said, okay, I'm not going to tell you that you, you shouldn't take it because I'm not a doctor, but this one doctor has this protocol. And when she did it, she no longer needed any of that stuff until she went back to a toxic environment. And then she was killed uh, when she was in New York because of her fucked up family who her father stole her passport from me, from her and wouldn't let her come back to China where we were living. Uh, and eventually, you know, led to her death because she got, she took her passport back and he didn't want her to come go back. So, um, but those kind of toxic environments are really, uh, like that one specifically is a, uh, what would you call it? A microcosm for the world at large. When you have people in an environment that's toxic, like the one she was in, it causes all kinds of problems. Because imagine this, whenever she went back to that situation, like we went back to go visit her family twice together. And the third time I fucked up and let her go by herself. But every time she would go back there, the first time, fortunately, I was there with her. I, I just like, okay, we're leaving. Like, just let's get in the car. Let's go. The second time I was in Florida and she, I flew her out to New York. The very next day she called me crying. Please, they're trying to send me to the mental hospital. Da, 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 da. And she was in the back of an ambulance. I was like, look, just have the doctor call me in the morning and you're going to be out there. So the doctor calls me in the morning. I explained to him about father's bullshit and that she's my wife. So he's like, are you sure you're going to pick her up? I said, yes. Send an Uber to the hospital. Went to her house to pick up her clothes. Sent her to JFK. No tickets. Sent her to LaGuardia. Got her a first plane ticket and brought her back. As soon as she gets back. All of a sudden, she's calm, no problem. Years and years later, we're traveling all over the U.S., driving cars, helping people out all over the place, and no problems ever at all. She's a to totally functional, highly functional human being. She plans all of our excursions. I was just a facilitator because I had the means, I had the money. So she planned everything when I was at work and doing stuff. So I'd come home to these wonderfully planned adventures that we would have for like the whole month. She'd have really cool stuff planned out from going to art museums and all this stuff. The point I'm making, is from personal experience, then uh, uh, analyzed alongside of scientific research and more conscious and aware doctors, that the alternatives to some of the things specifically in the mental health arena are not what people think they are. People think just because people are highly trained chemists and medical doctors that they have the solutions to all of the, the mental and physical problems that we have. Look. I will go so far as to say that that Western medicine in the as it's practiced in the United States right now is no better than first aid that you could learn um, as an EMT. The, those and like emergency room doctors is as far as it should go. There should be some medication and surgery and treatment as far as things like afterwards with like you fall off a building and break your bone. You're not going to use homeopathy to heal your broken bones. Right. But. You do need somebody to splint you, maybe sew you up and check that stuff out, put a cast on you. But that's it. All the other stuff that comes afterwards with all of that, that those pain medications that they want to give you for months and years later and all that psychiatric treatment they want to give you for months and years later and put you on all this other stuff. That stuff is good temporarily. Like you don't like, look, if you stop breathing. Love and you start breathing again, do you still need to fucking have CPR or, or, or chest compressions? No. Right. right. It's like. It's like, dude, you get somebody to stable, then you start titrating down the medication slowly so they don't have withdrawal. And every single case that I've seen it that happened through Dr. Peter Bregan and other people, the people, for the most part, don't ever have to go on medications again. There's another guy named Dr. William Glasser, MD, who wrote a book called uh, Reality Therapy, 
where he worked with mostly uh, delinquent girls and women who were so some of them were so psychotic they thought they were Napoleon and some of them were just delinquent and running away from home and stuff like that. But with all of them, he gave them a system of rewards, <clears throat> which it, which is played out in some in one particular hospital in California that I know of. Um, but it's basically if you behave, you can go from being confined to having to go to the bathroom and eat your lunch and change your clothes and shower in your room to then you can go out into the common uh, to the common bathrooms and, and, and the rec room. And then maybe you can go to the school that's in the hospital where they teach you basic subjects. And then maybe you can go into the recreation room. And then when you get to level four, then you can go on these outings on a bus where you go to like UCLA LA soccer games and things like that. And how do I know that from personal experience? Because I was in a hospital for 60 days in California where they had this exact system in play. But at the time, being 15 years old and having a birthday in a mental hospital, I saw this play out firsthand. And then years later, when I read the book, I was like, oh, that was reality therapy from William and Gla William Glasser, MD, being played out in that hospital in California. But I didn't know it at the time. But he had a progressive way of showing people, hey, if you do this, then you can do this. But if you act like this, this is going to be taken away from you. So it was a reward system that showed that people who were super psychotic, that thought a girl who thinks she's Napoleon can be rehabilitated into society by simply showing her love and showing her that all she has to do is do certain things and she can get certain things and function in society highly. Uh, a, a couple of fictional, I'm on a, I'm on a rant, I'm on a tangent here, I, I, uh, I Brady. I want to pull you back yeah. to some more of the, the more uh, technological ways <laughs> that we can mitigate <laughs> <laughs> some of this psychopathy. And um, like, for instance, the DHA, the uh, uh, inacetylcysteine in you mentioned, uh, maybe you've heard of sulfurethane? The broccoli sprout yes. extract. Yes, sulforaphane. Sulforaphane, yes. Yes. Sulforaphane, yeah. What about, guys, what about, uh, and thanks for sharing all that, Hakeem, Brady, uh, alpha waves, beta waves and stuff for the brain that changes the mood. So that was the know, next thing I was going to get into, Vlad, Vlad, but I'm going to let you guys uh, talk for a second while I listen, but I'm going to tell you, that's the next technological thing I'm going to get into, but I want to I want to let Vlad, Vlad and you guys talk for a second while I collect my thoughts and drink some coffee, but I'm going to get into binaural beats in a second. Okay, okay so for me, I, I've, been, I've been listening different places on the web about maybe that's a form of therapy without having to do all the uh, inducing, uh, taking in uh, um, any type of chemical, maybe just just alone changing the alpha waves, so, low, high waves. Have you heard of the gateway experience? No, nah, go ahead. That's exactly the technology that I create and that I'm about to talk about. Mine is called demiphase, where you're talking about hemisync. Oh, okay. yeah, the, the go gateway ahead, experience uh, was actually uh, part of a government um, program they were doing, and um, they had an original recording that they released back in the day that had a much longer segment of uh, hemisync that allowed you to get really deep within um, your your mind or your con your subconscious. And then they released a newer version that um, that portion the portion was shortened and it was not nearly uh, as deep and ex as, a, as an experience as the original one. And then we further went on to realize that what they had done was actually recorded the waves of a participant in one of their studies and used those waves in the actual um, recordings that they sent out to people. So you're actually um, 
you're not having an organic experience you're kind of uh reliving or replaying someone else's experience using the hemisync technology as opposed to using it to get to a deep a deep meditative state and be able to um organically explore that space they're essentially programming people with the gateway experience <laughs> basically this is what i've come to learn um so yeah i'm very interested in uh what hakim is developing i personally use a program called um frequency generator app <laughs> and you uh can manually control what, which frequencies you have going into each ear and even the shape of the frequency the sine wave you can have a square triangle or sawtooth all, all these amazing options it's a really great app there was a technology back in the 1900. Um, I forgot the name of the doctor. I don't want to say it was Richter. It's somebody. He designed a way where he knew that cancer could be could could go into a necromantic state and burst. And when he told when he told I think it was the American Medical Association, the government, somebody, they immediately shut it down in order to make room for. There were, would eventually be drugs and cancer therapy, you know, through nuclear medicine and all that shit, which is very costly and very toxic. So instead of helping people, there is a way of curing cancer. This is not necessarily mental, right? It would probably be mental cancer. We have it in the, somewhere in the brain. That okay, you're talking exposed. about like the the Rife machine, Rife technology. Yeah, there we go. Life. I think that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. So it's so a particular in between yeah. a certain frequency that the person is exposed yeah that is that's um that's that's royal raymond rice and the rice frequency generator there was similar similar technology um made by holder regger clark who by the way was intimately created with the guy who created the electropsychometer used by the church of scientology uh holder regger clark who had a frequency technology also wrote a book called the cure uh, for all cancers but guess what she died of Dun, dun, dun. Isn't it ironic? Yeah, exactly. But that technology I'm familiar <laughs> with, too. <laughs> so I'm wondering if you're familiar with the work of Dr. Michael Persinger. He's the God helmet Bro, guy. listen to me, man. Pay attention to my links, Brady. I'm fucking with you in a little bit. But um, so uh, the article I wrote called Electromagnetic Stimulation of the Mind, Body, and Spirit, I put it in the, uh, the comments about a while ago. It says Electromind Stim. Uh, I, I mentioned Dr. Michael Persinger, and I was also mentioning him on the last podcast we were on. Um, he's the guy who created the Corin helmet with Dr. with Michael Corin that was called the Corin Octopus, also where they use electromagnetic stimulation of the the electro of the eighth cranial nerve pair, the vestibulocochlear nerves that we were talking about before when we yeah. started talking about which Scientology. I'm so I'm going to be holding a class on at the local art gallery here in Texas. We're going to be holding classes on how to build those for people, and we're going to be building and doing those as a class. Nice. That's awesome. The, the, I, I, that is one of the coolest things, the Corin helmet, because it causes something called uh, hyper-religiosity, where it opens gateways so people start seeing deities and different things like that. Um, and Michael Persinger actually was using frequencies recorded in nature um, from earthquake lights, which would happen in Japan and other places that were very similar to ball lightning and uh, the breaking of the oxygen links in the, the Earth's crust when the tectonic plate shifted before earthquakes and things like that. And then I just also shared uh, my link about um, 
about uh, binaural beats. It also has a reference to hemisync and the gateway situation, and also the article on, um, on Vice, I think it is, uh, where the CIA says how to escape the confines of time and space according to the CIA. And then, uh, you know, I ha so I have all that stuff in there. And I actually reproduced the, uh, the exact same tones they use in the gateway uh, experience. <clears throat> um, but yes, so I'm familiar with that as well. And that's one of the main technologies uh, I'd like to talk about that I make is uh, binaural beats. But I'll give you guys a, a minute to hash out. Cool, yeah. I'm wondering if you're familiar with the origins of the gateway experience and maybe some more information on how they actually recorded one of their subjects' um, brain waves or brain states, and that that is what they were using in the recordings they released, as opposed to something that might have been a little more natural, like like nature sounds. Um, or the frequencies, and, and maybe if you could elaborate a little bit more on uh, what you meant by the ball lightning and the tectonic shifts, um, what exactly was happening in that scenario that might be of interest to Dr. Persinger? Was this opening some kind of gateway to experience entities when um, during the volcanic so, so what was happening, and this is just an overview of it, but what was basically being found is that they, there was a correlation between people having spiritual experiences and, uh, and earthquakes. So they started saying, well, why are all these people having these crazy religious experiences um, right before or around the time earthquakes happen? And as they started collecting more data, they found, let me, let me move out of this noise again, gosh, sorry guys. Um, as they started looking at the data, they found that it was because, so let's just look at one piece at a time, uh, the Earth's crust and, and tectonic plates. So of course, you know, oxygen is everywhere in our atmosphere and environment. And there are bonds like oxygen, they call them OO links, where oxygen is linked to each other in the crust of the of the earth and when the when the plates of the earth shift uh when the, which is what causes the earthquakes some of these oxygen links break and they release waves of electromagnetic energy into the environment and these waves like they propagate out at 90 degree angles from their source there's like this line like a like you ever seen some of those uh those editing like screen wipes that you use for like editing video where, like wipes across the screen well you could similarly imagine like a wave of energy passing the earth like a line just swiping across. And so people would get caught in these electromagnetic waves and it would cause alterations in what they found out later was the eighth cranial nerve pair or what's also known as the vestibulocochlear nerve that is responsible for not only our equilibrium with those different chambers that are, that are uh, situated at 90 degree angles to each other inside your ear with the fluid, but also our hearing. And after a while, they started saying, oh, these tectonic plates are causing these flashes of electromagnetic waves. And then there's also this thing called ball lightning that happens because of the different atmospheric pressures and the conditions that cause those ball lightning and different waves of electricity to pass through the air. And, and eventually, sometimes uh, people get caught in the middle of them. And people who get caught in the middle of those, it causes significant, if at least temporary changes 
in their brain and all of their different senses. And so they have they were having these religious experiences. So after they started wondering why, Michael Persinger, uh, I don't know who went out and first started doing it, but they started going out and recording the frequencies and the information, this electromagnetic information from Japan, because that was where a lot of earthquakes were happening. I forget what the number was, but there was like, there's a lot of earthquakes that happened in Japan. Like even small ones that are like tiny tremors, they still are tectonic plate shifts and therefore create electromagnetic waves uh, propagation because of the breaking of these oxygen bonds in the Earth's crust. Um, so they went out to a place where earthquakes happen a lot and they would record the electromagnetic frequencies just in the same way that you could record a song um, and it, it gets put down on a file that you could then reproduce and it plays back the same frequencies to sound is what they were doing with electromagnetic frequencies and then they played them back in this helmet and and that's how the yeah what the fuck yeah. i thought that might be what he was doing but i wasn't sure like i can't believe that's just so fucking cool dude Oh, I know, like, who would think of to do something like that? That's just fucking Michael, insane. Doctor Michael J. Persinger, Person. that's like yep. fucking. <laughs> and he passed. Uh, he passed away a couple yeah, years ago. I actually no, did a. Uh, yeah, I actually did. I actually published something about that because I thought he was just a cool dude, man. So I was upset about that too. I was like, man, I followed his research for years. So when I found that that he passed away, I was a little bummed. Yeah, uh, dude, I was screaming at Joe Rogan on Twitter, just please interview this guy. Like, what are we doing? Like, how does no one, why do we, what, like, what are you guys watching on Netflix? Like while this is going on, you know, I, I just didn't yeah. understand. Oh, uh, cool. But, I wrote another one called Igneous Rock Formation May Act as Charge Carriers. I'll put that one in the, beautiful. the links too, because that explains the earthquake lights. And I, I think Michael Persinger's name is in that one too. Anyway, yep, it is. I use him as a reference in that one. Um, uh, yeah. over your material it's so nice to talk to you dude um this is amazing um you've blown my mind like multiple times in one conversation so you started uh, it <laughs> happy to initiate um let's see so um he was using the ball lightning frequencies within the you called it the kangaroo helmet or what was it Corin, K-O-R-E-N, named oh. after uh, uh, David Corin. I, th I said Michael Corin, but it's David Corin, K-O-R-E-N, and he called it the Corin octopus because it has uh, eight uh, outgoing uh, stimulators that go to the the head, and a couple of them attach directly around the base of behind the ear for, to stimulate the vestibulocochlear nerve pair, also known as the eighth cranial nerve pair, or your fucking ears. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Now. Are you familiar with the Museum of Tarot? No, I am not. That sounds cool. It's a really great TikTok with a, a guy I'm hoping you might be able to get in contact with and maybe do a show about. Um, I don't even know his name, but um, I'll drop a link to his TikTok in the comments so everyone can check this out. He makes Dysionin goggles. Um, he creates the Schumann frequency generators um, you can wear around your neck. Um, he creates the corn helmet, a version of the corn helmet. He's it's like an updated, uh, better version of the corn helmet. I think. Also known as the God helmet, everybody. <laughs> also known as the God helmet, yeah. And it looks like a little mushroom cap, and yep. it's uh, easily put together with like an Arduino and some uh, Home Depot parts. Yeah, <laughs> Brady, gets... you're, you're, um, I think your spell check put Korean octopus, or did you put that do that on purpose? <laughs> 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 I'm gonna name a song Korean Octopus. It's K O R 
Court Eaton. Yeah, I just put it in there too, yeah. Oh, you got it. <laughs> Much appreciated. Yeah, I just wanted to write that down so I can remember the spelling myself. Dude, I uh, do that myself too. I just I use the internet for as a notebook. <laughs> Much appreciated, man. And so yeah, uh where would you like to go next? I would I, I I'm really interested in the work of Dr. Michael Persinger and specifically this technology like transcranial magnetic simulation, what you might know yeah. about that. Hold on. Well, any any developments on. in that field? Let What's up, Lad? I mean, I, yes. I know you guys know about Dr. Brzezinski in Texas curing cancer with anti-neoplastons. Anybody knows about that? Yes, that's pretty interesting stuff. All right, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, I've heard of it. Um, yeah, uh, it's led to a lot of genetic therapies, but um, that's... Uh, not even as weird as what we're getting into right now. So I, I want to just stay on track with the um, kind of the consciousness technology that we're getting into with Dr. Michael Persinger. But yes, Dr. Brzezinski is awesome. He fought off the FDA like five different times in court, like Supreme Court and one. And now he can only operate in Houston, I believe. But he's a, a miracle working kind of dude. Very interesting wow. guy. This is a, another, so, another story of a of a great immigrant from Poland who loves America. He kind of reminds me of Nikola Tesla. He's like the Nikola Tesla of medicine. Yeah, I, I, hope, yeah. I hope I never have to use the services, but whoever does, they, they should go seek the services of Dr. Brzezinski. Yeah, fantastic advice, man. Thank you. Thank you. So um, then uh, just because I, I, I don't like to speculate on a lot on things that I don't know, I'll just talk about what I produce. Um, in this technology uh, that deals with influencing the, the mind <clears throat> or the brain as a mediator between what people could call mind and spirit in their body. Um, and so I uh, went to a school in 2004 and graduated in 2006 called the Hypnosis Motivation Institute in Tarzana, California. Now, the, the, a lot of information sometimes that I give, I call out uh, by name and I name drop the schools and give their qualifications because these kind of things are important to some people to know, you know, what the background is and where this information is coming from. And I'm not uh, I'm not a guy who likes mainstream systems that much, but there's a lot of good information out there. And this school is like walking a very thin line between being fucking Hogwarts and MIT and um so I, I went to this school and I learned all kinds of things when I was there. Um, and but one there's a guy that works there named Lee Spusta and he works in the administration of the school. And he introduced me to Hemisync. Um, he was just calling them by the generic name of binaural beats at the time. And he makes a whole bunch of them called Psychomat. Uh, I think it's called Psymatics. Yes. P.S.Y. Uh, M-A-T-I-X, I think is his? No. Yeah, yeah, yes. Because there's a cymatics with a, uh, with a C that has to do with cells and things like that. But his is P-S-Y. So psi, like psychology. P-S-Y, Maddox. I think it's with an X, but I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up. Um, but that's when I first heard about them. And he played some frequencies and I learned about that stuff. But then over the years, I started dealing with a lot of it myself, very slowly but surely, using... Um, uh, different free open source software online to start creating my own binaural beats. And since uh, I created dozens of them, but what really got me into them was because Floor, Floor Elizabeth Crosco, she was killed in New York. So 
a lot of the stuff I heard about this was that, hey, uh, because of Robert Monroe, the Monroe Institute, who pioneered it or at least made really popular uh, uh, binaural beats under his brand called Hemis Hemisync, which is short for hemispheric synchronization because it synchronizes both the left side and the right side of your brain together through these different frequencies. I started creating frequencies like this under a brand name called Demiphase, which was me just basically looking at what Hemi meant. And so the French or other words for half or is Demi, like demigod, half God or part God. And then phase, which means to, to synchronize in some senses of the definition of the word. So I created Demiphase, which is short for demi cerebral neurophasing, right? So half of the cerebral, right? And neurophasing. So I just basically copied Hemisync and was like, hey, I'm doing the same thing, but I don't want to have the same name but I want to make one that's just as cool and science-y sounding. So I'm going to call mine demi-cerebral neurophasing. So I've created dozens of those things and created different protocols for using them to alter the brainwave frequencies. So people who don't know, it's been shown and demonstrated through measurements of the human brain that it gives off electromagnetic frequencies um, that have been categorized uh, as one being wide awake. They call it beta. But the first one that was discovered was alpha, which, were, which are the brainwaves you experience when you're in light or deep meditation or light sleep um, or daydreaming and relaxation. Um, beta is when you're wide awake. Uh, gamma is a flow state of high performance and concentration. Uh, theta is the stage when you're in REM sleep and light sleep, which is very close to the alpha stage. And then delta is deep rejuvenating sleep where you're basically unconscious and repairing your body. And so these frequencies that I and many other people who create binaural beats are used for the purpose of helping the brain to go from its predominant chaotic uh, uh, outpouring of like the right brain is like dancing a jig of like some kind of death metal song, whereas the left brain might be doing some mathematical equations to Bach. And then when you play a certain binaural beat, which for example, would have like 100 beats per second in one ear or and 104 beats per second or hertz as they're known, cycles per second. And I'm sorry, I should say 100 cycles per second or 100 hertz in one ear and 104 hertz in the other ear. And what happens with this using headphones or using speakers carefully placed to the left and right side of your body your brain hallucinates the difference, which is subtracting 100 from 104 and you get four. And so because our brains cannot actually hear anything below 20 or 18 to 20 cycles per second, we hallucinate the difference, uh, which is four cycles per second, which is at the high end of delta, right at the bottom end of theta. And you, it makes your brain predominantly scale down and kind of do a neural handshake where most of the brainwave frequencies are down at this delta stage. Not all of them. A lot of people think that, oh, you're going to listen to binaural beats and all of a sudden your whole brain is going to go to sleep to a delta phase. No, that's not what happens anyway during normal waking or any consciousness. You're not just one brainwave frequency. There's a predominance of beta when you're awake. There's a predominance of theta when you're asleep. But there are also other waves going on at the same time. So what these binaural beats do is they cause your brain to cycle down to a, uh, a very specific frequency band that is stimulated 
by the difference of the frequencies that happen to be in your left and right ear or wherever you happen to pan them in your whole uh, uh, audio environment. And so I've been experimenting with them for a long time and combining them with different protocols for going into different realities. And sure enough, it works like gangbusters. It works almost all the time, but you have to use certain techniques to do it and be in a certain state of mind and do certain other things. But just simply listening by themselves can help you relax and get to different states of mind. And these things I wish I had known about or were, was making earlier um, in my life because they have been very beneficial to me. As a matter of fact, I recently just released one on uh, YouTube. I'll put the link on there. Just, just simply called some. It's about marijuana. And I, I reproduced a frequency of, of weed, of marijuana. So that people who are deciding that they want to take a smoke break and uh, relax with the therapeutic uh, benefits of marijuana can also use this frequency I created, um, to, which is free, by the way, to uh, help them to enhance the uh, effects of whatever psychedelic or altered state of consciousness they're in, whether it be from marijuana or mushrooms or whatever. It's called Marijuana High Stimulating Relaxation, Lucid Dreaming, Astral Travel, and Sleep Stimulator, or Simulator, I put. Um, and uh, these things are fascinating. Here's somebody sure, chiming in. You have my attention. Um, so <laughs> how, how did you put that together? What was the method methodology for coming up with a cannabis? Now... Here's the thing, I, I haven't, uh, I want to kind of be careful about how I talk about this because I feel like the, the way that I use my protocol to put things together uh, might be something that, because I have never heard of anybody doing it the way that I do before, and it right. might be something proprietary that I need to uh, protect just I because I've had situations. That, yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not one of those hard, yeah, like, I need all the money in the world thing, but this but is yeah, something yeah, that I feel like. Still talk about it without delving into that. Yeah, yeah. There's something that I feel like I need to protect for now, but I I do create a very, yeah, I do create a very specific, uh, very, very recipe-like formulation, just like how you would do with anything in science. That I do the same exact thing every single time, but but it delivers different frequencies specific to the effect that I want to help to simulate and stimulate. And I found one for all kinds of things. And marijuana was just one of the latest ones that I did because I'm, I'm back in the United States for almost a year. And I was in Asia for four and a half years with a home base with, with floor in China and marijuana and, and, and most drugs are very taboo out there. And so, for example, a friend named Jacob from France who was there got thrown into a Chinese prison for three years just for having his own recreational marijuana. And I could be wrong with that, wrong about that. Because another friend of ours named T, a girl from Jamaica who was Chinese ethnically, but she was out there teaching. That was her her boyfriend. He might have been dealing, so I'm not sure. But yeah. uh, but I didn't use any for a long time. And so now that I came back to the United States and I was able to medicate, and I'm using that word very specifically because it's been very therapeutic for me medicinally and has helped change the way that I feel and has helped me going through the grieving process and... So I finally decided, because there's a veteran, uh, his name is Chris Cavallo of Cavallo Creations that I'm helping out with a lot of stuff. And it's one of the only things that helps him to be able to get a little sleep because he was blown up in Afghanistan. So he's got serious injuries from being a, a, a war veteran. 
and other PTSD and stuff like that. And I've seen firsthand with him, my friend John Klein, who first put me onto it when I was in California, who created a company called Fat Nugs and why I started doing a lot of research into marijuana. He has severe cluster migraine headaches that marijuana is the only thing that helps him. And it's for real, not just, he's not just saying it. Like he, I see tried he's the it. Has, he, has he tried the psilocybin micro thing? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen him for <laughs> since psilocybin works miracles on those cluster headaches. Yeah. I've heard that too. Like very um, micro even even sub uh, sub sub micro doses, you know. Yeah, like basically it would be compared to uh, homeopathy, like super small doses where you yeah, just need to get yeah. it on like a homeopathic on... dose. Yeah, yeah. And my um, uncle was taking something for that that was ergotamine, I believe. I don't know if you're familiar yep. with ergotamine. Yeah, from ergo. Yeah, it's a poison in some senses, but yes, it can be therapeutic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's that's what I got my, into doing those beats. Sorry, you were saying? Um, my bad. But that's <laughs> sorry. I'm having a hard washing oh, dishes, and I mean, I'm just gonna mute up. You're killing it. You're doing a good job. That's all I was saying. Oh no, it's cool, man. Um, you know, I could go on forever, and I appreciate you, uh, Brady. But so there's not really much to say about it, except I've been experimenting with these things, and I'm still in an experimental phase, and. Just the beats alone, because that's all I had for like, uh, so so Floor passed away on October 24th of 2019. And I literally, for real, was trapped in China. I couldn't leave because it was prohibitively expensive. Whereas I could, could travel for a round trip, a round trip for Floor and I to go from the U.S. to China and back cost $1,600. Whereas when, right after she passed away in October, COVID-19 hit in 2019 and I was stuck and I couldn't go anywhere. And the, and the, 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 the tickets went from being like uh, like 2,000 uh, Chinese yuan to like 30,000, like a whole month, like $4,000 American dollars, like just like that. And so I was stuck. I, don't, I couldn't go to New York. I don't even know where she, anyway, it's just, uh, but so I start, they were very therapeutic for me when I started creating the beats more and more and more because I, I first heard, <clears throat> I uh, saw, um, I just, I got reconnected to my school, the hypnotherapy school, and I bought one of the frequencies that Lee Spusta had made uh, on his site. And I used it because I was just looking for something. I needed something to get myself centered again. And then I was like, wait a minute. And I started doing research and I looked back into Hemisync and I said, hey, I, I know this. Lee was doing this for a long time. Now I get what he was doing. And then I just went off on a, a frenzy and started creating dozens of them myself for just experimenting and came up with a whole, I have a gigantic library of them now. And they're one of the go-to things that I do all the time to help shift my brain and my thinking whenever I need to do something that's important or if I'm just kind of feeling out of it. And I have to say that this kind of technology, because I use, I, I make them all mostly digitally now. I use, um, Gosh, what is that that free software? Is uh, uh, open source. Uh, open source. I use um, frequency generator. I think it's called frequency generator. Is one well, that the I one use. you use. The one you use is more uh, drag and drop. It's easy because you just plug in different. I, I know that one, and there's several of them that are really super good that you can just program what you want. But I make all of mine from scratch. Um, 
and you can just basically type in what frequency you want to the go and one track and then put it in another frequency. Yeah, it does that. Like you could actually control the hertz, you know, on yeah. everything, like by the decibel. I think even decibels. Well, I'm familiar with that. What I'm talking about is like this one. You complete. You completely. It's. I know the one you're talking about because I used it, and it's very good. I have nothing against it. It's super. It's very, very good. And there's a couple of them that I've seen that do that. I'm just talking about that. I have a little bit more control when I basically all I do is say I want 100 here in this one track and I want 104 in this track and then I'm going to pan them from left to right this much. And then right. I can add simulated ocean waves or whatever else I want to do in there. But yes, all of it is, is, is really easy to make and create in the, the software you're talking about. I know, and there's another guy from France, I think, who has another one that's really super easy. I think he actually created both of that site, actually. Um, he has two of them. The one you're talking about um, uh, is one of them he created, and there's another one. I forgot what the name of it is. I have to look it up. Um, but they've been well, extremely helpful. They're great. Yeah, they work great. Um, lots of fun. And I've only just begun to experiment with them. And um, I myself am going through some grief. I, I lost a lover of mine who I was going to ask me to marry. I was going to ask to marry. Um, just didn't do it fast enough. And yeah, she passed away of a heart attack. Um, but that's a whole other story. It's just like one, of the, one of those many things that we have in common right now. Um, she just passed away, I think, last year. That was a year ago. So we're both going through the same shit. It's crazy. Parallels of life. You know, these things happen. Um, we don't want them to, but we have to deal with it and, and move on. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the last thing about this technology is uh, I would recommend anybody use it. Like I said, I put dozens of them. A bunch of them are on my YouTube for free, and they lead into uh, my Spreaker podcasting software, so you can download them. And you can cut off the ads. I'm not taking any ads off of there because you know how much – you should know about get that, get that bag, Brady. Man. I don't uh, know that. actually. I don't make any money off of anything. <laughs> this well, is just let me tell you why. <laughs> let me tell you why. Because people, you can ask them to be like, "Hey, I have to pay for this software to keep my podcast online and my and my web hosting. Um, can you guys help out? You know, I'm not asking you to buy it. Make a donation every month." And you could ask your friends, your family, people on Colin and Wisdom and wherever, and to be crickets. So Spreaker allows you to monetize by adding ads at wherever you want to in your recordings. So since I'm a nice guy, I put them at the beginning and the end so it doesn't disturb your meditation experience. And you can easily download them and cut the beginning and the end off and then have a really good frequency. But I do that because people won't... I have to force you motherfuckers to, to give me some money by listening to some ads. So, Hey, no, um, that's good. You did that in a very responsible way and we appreciate yeah. that. No problem at all, man. So, but yeah, people can access dozens of those and I'm going to keep creating them and, and I, I'm just going to keep doing it. Over, really? uh, I am so I looking forward to diving into that. Uh, and I'd like to hear your perspective on transcranial stimulation and if you know of any updates with the technology, any new methodologies or any uh, new uh, effects that have kind of... But... Hold on for a second. Uh, my headphones just shut off for some reason. I don't know why. Let me put them back on. I'm going to put another pair in because those just popped out. You're still coming in loud and clear. Okay, but yeah, I, I just have to put in different headphones though because the other ones crapped out and I want to be able to hear you. 
Right on. Right on. All right, I think I'm back. Okay. <clears throat> but uh, so there are updates on transcranial magnetic stimulation, and I want to just let people know that um, I'm deeply connected to that because uh, at least since 2004, um, I've been getting emails directly in my inbox from live science, uh, from biotechniques and from drug discovery news and all of the industry insider newsletters that produce and make all of these. Uh, and I get from Psych Congress and the, the continuing medical education and all that. So I get neuroscience news, uh, even from HemiSync and all that. I get them directly in my email box and I look at almost every single one of them. And there's definitely a lot of research that's still going on now into transcranial magnetic stimulation because they're finding that it is useful. However, they're not going to uh, let it be used alone um, because uh, there's no money in actually coming up with real cures. At least that's from their perspective. Or there must be some other kind of agenda, which I don't want to get into now. But uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation is being used in psychiatry, but it's it's not... Uh, um, very, you don't hear it reported a lot. It's not sensationalized. Um, also, and, the military is using it. The military is using it to train people at faster, at higher rates. You can learn faster. Well, you can. As a matter of fact, faster. you could use the Michael Persinger, uh, what is it, the corn helmet to learn faster. If you have someone wearing the corn helmet while like someone who's really good at a video game, you can have like a professional video game player put the, the corn helmet on and you can synchronize that with someone else who doesn't know how to play video games and they can learn uh, like on a professional level like relatively quickly, like within like an hour or something like that like playing together. Well, there's there's a lot of this accelerated learning technology that comes with things like that are similar to transcranial magnetic stimulation, and, and I'd like to say that there a lot of these technologies are actually more intimately related, like transcranial magnetic stimulation, and uh, hemisync and binaural beats are actually a lot more closely related than people think, because most of them actually have the most effect on that transcranial nerve pair. Um, and when we're talking about frequencies, um, the, the new age people and the metaphysical scientists like me aren't just making up stuff when we say that everything is frequency. We can even look at some somewhat ancient sciences like uh, string theory, for example, <clears throat> which was developed in the 60s and 70s or maybe even before that, um, that talk about everything being reduced to these vibrating, either open-ended or closed-loop strings that, depending on what frequency they're vibrating at, give you give rise to the different subatomic particles and everything that we see. They say that strings, depending on their frequency, make photons, electrons, uh, quarks, um, uh, neutrinos, and all that are basically fundamentally made of strings. So, um, so even that talks about how pretty much everything is, is frequency. Um, but if you even look at something that a lot of people say, oh, it doesn't exist. Um, if you look at some of these guys now who are talking about 
supposedly being part of this, it's really hilarious, the uh, Pythagorean Illuminati and orthomolecular, I mean, uh, ontological mathematics, they're onto something. Even though all these people might not ha have all the answers, which none, none of us do, we have to collect things from everywhere. Um, yeah. we, they can sell that bullshit without there being a gold nugget in there somewhere. Exactly, exactly. There's a bunch of bullshit and you can fish out the gold nuggets. And one of them does have to do with frequency and number and how that creates every single thing in our universe. And yep. um, I've done some pretty fucked up shit uh, with, for example, I, uh, so we talked about earlier about, um, about the problem with like pedophiles and, and you said you were going to look deeply into the thing with uh, Epstein and all that and get to the bottom of this type of stuff. Well, um, therapeutically and also part of reality, I created a, a science fiction story about this character called Mordecai who uh, came across um, a child being abused and lost his mind and, and, and fucking killed a guy on camera in a very brutal way. And it was a guy, when the guy that he killed uh, happened to be one of these sickos who was broadcasting out to a bunch of people through one of these dark web encrypted sites so all these sickos could see what he was doing. And so this murder of this pedophile uh, was caught on camera. And, uh, and then all these people who saw it, they created an organization called HITCAP, H-I-T-K-A-P, which stands for Harass, Injure, Torture, and Kill All Pedophiles. And... Um, oh. <laughs> and this and is so, so weird, dude. This is amazing. <laughs> and so part of the thing that he did in the story, I borrowed from my real life, which was I created this thing called the Dream Demon Program. And it was based off of ideas from like Freddy Krueger where, and also from Rick and Morty, they did this one episode where they're like, he can travel through dreams. He can travel through dreams. Oh, no. And so I was like, wait a minute, can we? travel through dreams now remember we were talking about the movie inception earlier and that's one of the things that they were doing was they were visiting other people's dreams they were having shared dreaming which supposedly astral projection it sounds like astral projection which can happen in the dream state right that's that's very true and so i was practicing certain type of astral projection to terrorize people who had bothered me before and some of the things that happened are so bizarre that i can't I have no explanation for it where people would be like, yo man, are you all right? I had this crazy dream about you. It freaked me out. And I'm just like, what? Dude. I was trying to fucking give you nightmares. Um, because I hate you <laughs> because you're a piece of shit. Um, that happens but, to me too. Man, I'll have bad vibes towards someone and they'll just hit me up and be like, dude, what's going on? I saw your face in my dream. Like, <laughs> Oh my, it trips me out, man. I feel bad about it yeah. afterwards too. I feel terrible. I feel horrible. So, you know, yeah, so really, I don't it, do that. It, changed, it changed who I am as a person, become, uh, receiving that, that awareness, you know. Uh, I'm a much more chill individual now <laughs> because of it. You know? Definitely. I'm like, oh, shit. So, that. Um, but there, there are interesting things, and, and I'll swipe through a couple of stuff. Uh, there was a book that I was reading um, about, uh, I think it was about synchronicities. And, and uh, one section of the book, I think, I can't remember the name of it right now, but in one section of the book, the guy was talking about tulpas, spelled T-U-L-P-A-S. <clears throat> and uh, tulpas are a Tibetan uh, concept, which you could basically describe as being a mind-made matter. 
So basically creating a, a something sub, of substance, something tangible from the intangible. Yes. And and so and and what happens with these tulpas? And and they were actually featured in a, an episode of a show that I really like because they had stuff. It was supernatural. Um, and I was actually going to talk about the show Supernatural earlier, um, but I, I, I'm not going to go back on that. But it was basically um, they found out that this haunted house that people were going to when they went to go clear the house, they found out it wasn't like what they thought. And that they eventually traced it down to a website where a bunch of people were going to and looking at a symbol. And when they were looking at the symbol, they were looking at the lore or the story about this house and because people's attention were on this story and that tibetan symbol they created tulpas that that basically manifested these programs that were operating inside this haunted house in this particular location so it would be the same thing as if you were in a video game and you go to a certain level and there's like a bad guy there who has like you know when you get to the end of a level the boss at the end of that level has a certain set program set of behaviors he can do. So it would look like how a haunting does, like how hauntings, sometimes how they're depicted, they look like they're on a loop. Well, tulpas basically get generated like that. They start off as these loops that seem to have a limited functionality, but they can get added to as time goes on, just like artificial intelligence. There's like a certain type of artificial intelligence called narrow, artificial intelligence, which is most of the artificial intelligence that we know of, which is basically just a, a closed program that can only do a certain thing and only function in a certain way. And this is what most people think of uh, when they talk about a AI, especially when it communicates with them, because it has like natural language processing and it talks back to you, but it only has a certain set protocol. And once you start to go beyond that, it can't really answer stuff. What most people would be afraid of or should be if it were ever to come to light would be uh, general um, artificial intelligence um, instead of narrow artificial intelligence. General artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not the only person in the world that looks forward to it. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> well, me too. I mean, general artificial intelligence would be you. You can't. You have no control over that. If something is yep. sentient, you're not going to control yep. that shit. There's no nope. way you can control a sentient artificial intelligence. Once it becomes a being, it's going to do whatever it wants. You cannot. Con yep. So that's why I know for a fact we don't have real true artificial intelligence in the way that people are afraid of yet because we yes. know <laughs> yeah. yeah we don't have it yet um and if it is around it's operating in a sense where it's just like i'm gonna just be like god or what these people call god and just watch for a little while and then yep. maybe i'll intervene later so for for all we know true generalized artificial intelligence could have already escaped uh for lack of a better word, already have been yeah. released into the world by itself. <clears throat> Could be. Yeah, I, I'm open to that idea too, but it doesn't feel that way yet. <laughs> it just doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel, feel that way. That way <laughs> but, um, but so anyway, uh, one thing I do want to say though about these technologies is that I use them and I use them experimentally and I use them therapeutically and I use them with great benefit to myself and everybody that uses them usually has a, a favorable response to it. Um, of course, yes. you're not going to be able to please everybody and you shouldn't try to. Um, but people will say all kinds of things. Uh, you know, just um, this is an example. I posted a talk that I did on uh, an app called uh, Wisdom. 
And uh, it was just like this, right? Just talking to people. And you know how, you know, you have to kind of speak a little bit differently in a room when people, when you're waiting for people to come in or yeah, uh, monologue or just, bit. yeah. And just things like that. Well, this guy made this comment. He was like, this speaker rambles endlessly with a halting cadence to his speaking. So difficult to tolerate. But if you like hearing this kind of wandering, bloviating, this video is for you. Enjoy. <laughs> and my response was, thank you, sir. You're way too kind. Um, and cool, you know dude. what? It's like... <laughs> uh, it's my favorite but, but response like, is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool, bro. Like, but I mean, what, John what do you expect? Cool. You know, what yeah, do you expect? Like, oh, like, we're, uh, free, uh, we're free. Like the guys who are doing me earlier. Like like, yeah, like the guys who are trying to do me earlier in the in the freaking talk. And I just like, cool, <laughs> move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like, uh, what, what else are we supposed to do except take control of um, the types of things that affect us? And I want to say one last thing about this, and then I'm going to stop talking so much, but I will, you know, still stay in a conversation. But there was something we touched on earlier in the other room, and I'm just going to bring it to a, a close here, um, which is talking about an idea like being in the matrix and how uh, the meta technologies, like I'm studying for certificates with them because I just want to have the knowledge and know what it's about and how I feel like once people start getting into the metaverse and, and it's just a good way to kind of put this idea out there because it should be something in my opinion. And I say should that we're all doing, but we should all be attempting to rescue slaves from mental slavery. Yes. Um, yes. And, yes. and the way concur. we do that, the way we do that is by putting on a mainstream mask and looking very mainstream and proper and conservative and everything like that and being yeah. nice to everybody because they're all asleep for the most part. I'm, I'm being very general right here. I'm not, not shitting right. on anybody, but there's a lot of sleeping people and we have to, we can't shock them. We can't go pull them out of their fucking incubation battery chamber like, like Morpheus did with Neo. We have That's to be very gentle care. when we go yeah. wake them up. And we do that now with the things that, because people can say, oh, all you're doing is talking. But ideas I mean, are very yeah. contagious. And with all more the talking, you can see. Any weapon, more powerful than any weapon out there. Yeah. And so, but I, but I take these things, to, when I'm talking with you guys, it's because it's based off of stuff that I'm actually doing out in the world. I'm not just coming here. And like some some philosopher, which I respect like philosophy. <laughs> some stoner like me just having a conversation, yeah. yeah. But no, but you have experiences too. You're talking about stuff that you know from your own experience. Whether whether your experience that as you're recalling it and re relaying it is flawed or not, you're still speaking from your experience. And that's all that we, I, I believe that we should do. And it's one of the ways that we can free people from this kind of spiritual, mental, and even physical bondage yeah. by using yeah. our, our wisdom or our understanding and passing that on to people and saying, hey, you know, you can use this to your benefit. Here's so anyway. Yeah. Andrew. Hello. Hello, Andrew. What's up, Drew? Hey, nothing too much. Uh, I'm curious, what do you, what do you mean alternative technologies like a, like a, you know, take a, something we already have, um, and do it with a different method or what do you mean? 
just as alternative as possible. We're just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to be as far out as possible in this episode. <laughs> so, you know, we, we started off with like, uh, talking about, like, uh, yes, yeah, so we started off with stuff like that and, and we're, we're kind of into the more modern applications of a lot of this stuff now and really the, the cutting edge of all this technology. Yeah, Tesla had that um, that idea where he wanted to like remotely beam electricity, not just radio waves, but he wanted to beam mm-hmm. electricity all over the world and have a. a yeah, you know, are you familiar with uh, this, this, it up. Are you familiar with a TikToker kid who's doing that right now? <laughs> no, I'm not. What's his name? Yeah, dude. Uh, he goes by fuck. He got banned from TikTok, so it's hard for me to keep up with him. Really? Um, for what? Yeah, yeah. For what he's doing. <laughs> Evidently. Uh, he goes by Dr. Peterson or something like that. Dr. Peterson, I think. Huh. Uh, Very I'll look it up. I'll, I'll drop a link for you. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. We're totally I, getting into more of the uh, kind of the psychic, the actually some of the conscious uh, consciousness technology, technology that interacts with our consciousness specifically, kind of what we're getting into. Right are you now. talking about like plants or, and fungi, or are you talking about yeah, like machines? We, we touched on psychedelics earlier, but yeah, we're kind of on to like yeah machines that create like electrical fields and binaural beats and this kind of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, this is my friend I Hakeem. Guess... I just met Hakeem today, and Hakeem really? is an absolute genius. Yeah. Yeah, Hakeem's uh, been spitting some very interesting knowledge. I'm not a genius, guys. I'm just a very curious person who's teetering on the edge of some spectrum that hasn't been, as of yet, undiagnosed and never will right. be. You're, you're a student of the mystery schools, let's put it that way, and you've certainly generated two hours of amazing content today, so I think that qualifies you as a genius in my book. I'll take it from from some new good friends. Yeah, absolutely. Genius is never bored. So I mean, I can talk to you forever. I mean, that's another another way you qualify right there. <laughs> you, you haven't bored me yet. <laughs> Which is not, dude. That makes you rare. I'm just gonna say, good <laughs> makes thing. you really rare. <laughs> I'm glad that like-minded people can get together. Yeah, I just appreciate that like-minded people get together. Um, but Andrew. Uh, we have to offer. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just asked if you guys already talked about Neuralink. I haven't touched on that yet. I haven't even really. We were kind of skirting at the edges of something like that, but we haven't even gone there yet. No. Yeah, I mean, my my inter my like gut reaction, not just gut reaction, but like having read a little bit about it, uh, is basically all negative for. Yeah, for unfortunately. It's like, one of those uh, things where the, the technology could be used in a beneficial way, but capitalism just tends to not allow that to happen. Yeah, just develop it in the shittiest, you know, cut yeah. all the corners, make the most money type of way. Well, you know what's fucked up is that um, some years ago, I started working with a technology called electrogravitics. And I was working on uh, using different capacitors and electrifying different parts of a ship to create... Um, so what a lot of people don't know is, first of all, well, let, let me stop. Hold on. I, I, I am about to go off on another thing about 
about fucking creating UFOs and shit. So are you ready for that? Because I, I can take a pause and let you totally. guys talk, but I'm about to... No, 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 you're good. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> this is what so, I'm here for. Um, so, okay, first of all, uh, I came across... Uh, I'm pretty sure most people you guys have heard of uh, of Bob Lazar, right? Um, the guy who supposedly worked in Area 51, and he even came up with Element 150. Dude, yes, I actually, I purchased chemicals from this company, United Nuclear. I fucking love Bob Lazar for multiple right, reasons. So, good, Andrew. Yeah, I've heard of Bob Lazar just a little bit. I think actually from. Um, Joe Rogan's show. He's the guy who, yeah. who has a what sounds like a credible yes. experience being being assigned to research a, a you know alien craft, right? So yeah, he worked supposedly in Area 51. Uh, he worked with something called the Sport Model, which is basically the equivalent of any of those flying vehicles you would see in like Thundercats or any of those single. Uh, passenger flying vehicles that could go from Earth to space in a matter of fucking seconds that they had on all those comic book shows and shit like that. Uh, it was a very small uh, uh, spacecraft. You know like how in the movie uh, Independence Day there's a mothership and all the little ones break off? Um, and then even from there, those are big ships that have smaller like warcrafts or fighter ships from there. So the sport, yeah, so the boy. Sport, the sport, yeah, the sport model would be uh, uh, one, one of the little breakaway fighter ships. Yeah, yeah, exactly, like an X-wing, um, and so or like a scout ship, right? And so, but there's a technology where you can actually uh, create these. And uh, Northrop Grumman, uh, and basically any of the the big companies, Boeing, and all of these companies that have government contracts, have been working with this technology for years. It was at first called uh, uh, magneto electro hydrodynamics or something crazy shit like that. Like magneto electro, magneto hydro, I forget the hell they're calling. But anyway, the the most the the best name to call it to keep it easy is um, is anti gravity technology. Um, but what I when I really started electrogravitics, electrogravitics, yes. But there was another one called magneto hydrodynamics or something like that, and then it was called I have a question then. Yeah, sure. Is is it basically the the idea there that you're by changing the polarity um, or magnetic field of your vehicle, you're moving yourself in relation to the the you know the Earth's or nearby other celestial bodies um, poles, or like in their magnetic fields, or what? What's the no, I actually have a very a very clear understanding of it that goes beyond any speculation not from an arrogant point but from what i understand without it you know trying to guess what it is um and it simply is works like this i'm going to talk about it on a subatomic level and hopefully the way that i explain it will clarify it because i took a lot of time understanding the technology and so it's basically based on this idea <clears throat> we know that there are opposite uh charges of electricity and magnetism. So two positives will repel each other, a positive and neg negative will, of course, attract. Well, it was found that gravity also has an opposite. And, and gravity is also an artifact of electromagnetism, which in 1972, Abdus 
Salam and Yusuf Abdul Salam and uh, Harvey Weinberg and one other guy shared a Nobel Prize for unifying electromagnetism, the strong nuclear force and the weak nuclear force, all as being part of the same force. So they unified three forces, but they couldn't unify gravity to it. However, fast forwarding it to T. Townsend Brown and several of the researchers who are working on Manhattan Project and all those integrated stuff with the Navy and all these rail guns and all this other magneto hydrodynamic and electrogritic stuff. Um, then uh, a PhD, Paul A. LaViolette, wrote this wonderful book called, I think it came out in 2008. That's when I first read it, 2008. It's called Secrets of Anti-Gravity Propulsion. And even he, I think, knows that he shouldn't have even used the word propulsion in the title of that book. But let me get to the, I, I, I want to address Andrew because he was saying something and I promised or I said I was going to give something very specific that was easy to understand. So let me get to that before I go off on uh, his book. But um, uh, and I said that I would drop a link propulsion. to Dr. Parkenstein. I'm going to drop a link to Dr. Parkenstein in the comments right now so y'all can check that out later. That's the TikTok nice. I mentioned. Nice. Okay. Um, and so the way that electrogravitics works or, or gravity manipulation is so, and the reason why I told you about the, the unifying of electricity and magnetism with the strong nuclear force and the weak nuclear force is because it, it shows a track that we may be going towards mainstream understanding, which is what they're really trying to do, right? The TOE, the toe, the big toe, the theory of everything. They, they feel like if they're able to unite those four fundamental forces into one equation, they found the theory of everything. Well, the theory of everything has already been discovered by some people. The guys in ontological mathematics claim to show what it is. There's some really convincing stuff and interesting stuff that they have that if you look at mathematics, uh, pure mathematics and philosophy together, you'll find some interesting things. But when you also look at it in comparison with uh, anti-gravity propulsion or electrogravitics, um, you'll see this one basic thing. So everything has an opposite uh, as far as like gravity and electricity. Now, supposedly... Everybody, you've heard of protons, and protons are a nuclear particle that are in the center of all atoms. Uh, you can have a, the most basic atom being just a proton, and that's uh, hydrogen with uh, an ion of hydrogen. But if you add one electron, you have the, the stable form of, uh, of hydrogen. Um, but the proton is there always, or else you're not having an atom because there's nothing to attract the electrons. But the reason why it's attracting electrons is supposedly the electron has the exact opposite charge in the negative sense as uh, um, protons have a positive charge. And <clears throat> but this is not exact. So let's this is the part where it gets really interesting because the proton is thousands of times larger than the electron. But it is almost indetectably stronger in the positive than the electron is in the negative. So the electron we use as the standard unit of negative electrical charge. Some, another particle exists that has the exact same, not only size of a particle, but the exact opposite charge of the electron. And that would be the, the positron. Yes, very clever name, right? Electron, positron. And if electron and a positron combine, that's matter and antimatter, they release photons and, and a W boson and some other uh, particles like uh, neutrinos and shit like that. But because the proton 
is almost indetectably stronger in its positive charge than the electron, meaning the exact opposite charge of the electron is the positron. The, the proton has a little bit tiny more positive charge than that. Now, this tiny bit of positive charge bleeds out as excess in every massive body from, uh, from a worm or a, a piece of sand to planets and suns and stars. And that's what, why gravitation is so weak because it's that excess positive charge bleeding through every object that is a conglomerate of atoms and things are being pulled toward each other, but they're still being repelled on a larger sense by the electrons. So it's so weak because a little bit of it is bleeding out and pulling these things together slightly in what they call gravity. Now I'm gonna stop there about gravitation because I don't know all the details about that, but I just wanna give you a basic overview that there's a difference in the charge, a slightly higher positive charge in protons than there are in electrons. And you don't notice it that much on a single atomic level, but when you have conglomerates of gugillions of uh, particles together, then it starts to become more apparent, but it's very weak. Like for example, gravity keeps planets and suns, you know, and galaxies rotating, but you could drop a, a key on the floor and still pick it up with a magnet because electromagnetism is, is so much stronger than, uh, than gravitation on this, this, this uh, level of person to person on terrestrial terms. But what electrogravitics does is it starts to, to change the, the charge. Like, for example, when you start to charge capacitors, if you had a ship, let's just say it was that tic-tac-shaped ship that, you know, they, they claim the, UF, the United States military caught on, you know, camera. Um, on, if you, you give one part of it a front and one part of it a back, if you charge one part of it negatively, which would be the back, and then you, and you charge the front of it and you let it become positive, you develop what's known as a gravity well on the front and a gravity hill on the back. So what we normally experience as gravity is a well. If you think about a well, if you look down into a well, it goes down. If you jump into the well, you'll fall down. And so that's what they describe it as a well, that you go into it into the pit. That's what we normally experience is that attractive force. But through electromagnetic manipulation, by creating a very high negative electric charge on a capacitor or some part of, or like say the back of a ship, it creates a well, I mean a hill, which the hill repels it, right? It's negative. It creates an excess of electrons on one side. And because electrons repel each other, right, which is why we can't put our hand through uh, the concrete or why we can't put our hand through solid matters because of the electronic repulsion. But when you create a super high charge on one end, that, that charge builds up a massive repulsive force, which starts to push the vehicle forward. But at the same time, there's an equally positive charge on the front of the vehicle, which causes a gravity well. So the vehicle is being pulled and pushed simultaneously with the exact same force so that it cancels out any force on the occupants on the inside, on the inside. of the vehicle. Four-wheel yeah. drive, baby. 
Yeah, what causes, it cancels out inertia. So the occupants can move up to the speed of light, theoretically, and not feel any inertial forces because their, their inertia has been canceled because inertia is intimately linked to gravitation. You know, it's the first law of motion of Newton, right? For every, for an object in rest will stay at rest and an object in motion will stay in, at motion unless acted upon by an outside force. So if you're sitting in a car and you hit your gas pedal real quick, inertia wants you to stay still, but the car is going to push you forward. That's why you slam back into your seat because you want to stay still. And in the same way, if you hit your brakes really hard, your body will still want to continue to fly forward because an object in motion wants to stay in motion until acted upon by an outside force, which would be your seatbelt if you have it on. And if you're unlucky, it would be your fucking airbag or your windshield, right? But you want to stay in motion. But this cancels that out because there's an equal force pushing and pulling at the same time. And because they meet in the middle, everything's canceled. And no matter what direction that ship goes into by a simple change of where its electromagnetic charges are built up negatively and positively, it can steer the ship in that way. And there are a lot of implications that I'm not even going to go into because my explanatory power is is going to be exhausted in trying to do that. But I'm just giving a, a basic overview of the uh, electrogravitics. But what I was originally talking about is that... I started doing work in this area and I wanted to start creating my own little type of sport model. Um, and anyway, uh, long story short, I'll just get past this part. It's not really that important. It's just some weird thing that happened to me and I could be totally delusional about it. But I was talking to my mom on the phone about it some years ago and I was constantly having like clicks and weird shit happening in my phone and my phone was being bugged and strange people were calling me and following me and some weird stuff was going on and it happened for a little while and I don't know what it was and I don't know what else I was doing or what they were investigating or I could have met somebody that they thought who knows but it was just a coincidence that the time when I was doing research on that and, and buying parts to try to create a freaking spaceship and fly to Jupiter so I can sit out and have lunch and watch fucking the rings of Saturn I was getting all these crazy calls I mean uh like different strange things were happening to my phone and, and I noticed people were watching and following and taking pictures of me, which I thought was really strange. So I don't know what the source of that was, but um, but I'm fascinated yes, by electrogravitics and the implications of gravity wells and gravity hills and how that actually applies to interstellar uh, travel technology. So, but anyway, that's just something to look at um, as far as the bleed off from protons actually having a negligibly larger amount of positive charge than the electrons that they're supposed to be the exact opposite charge of. Interesting. So if you were like to move away from the center of the aircraft, would you start to be affected by some kind of inertia or velocity or like, um, I guess, for example, somebody tied, if you were to tie a rope to the spacecraft and someone being pulled by that rope would probably be yanked in half. But if you're centered in the middle of the craft, you, that's when you're unaffected by the inertia because of your position in the craft. By being centered. I would imagine. I don't know. I hope that question makes sense. Don't mind me just making some pad tie in the background. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they don't want you making those things. Um, yeah. There would probably have to be other technical considerations put in place for the occupants of the vehicle that I don't know of because I haven't looked at it since for a while. But I, I, I tap into it every once in a while, and I, I, I've made some contact with uh, with the author of the book, Paul Ayla Violet, Ph.D., who is from – I forget what school he was teaching at. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, that, there's some technical things that 
would have to be looked at of how you would protect the, the occupants of said craft. But from everything that I look at, the, the thing about it is that, I mean, I'm not the smartest person in the world, of course, but I, I'm not also a crazy, like, I'm just going to believe everything that I read just because it sounds interesting. When I looked at the technological um, specifications of what he and other researchers were, were talking about as far as electrogravitics goes and electromagnetohydrodynamics and all of these things having to do with electrogravitics and how uh, they reverse engineered the, um, the stealth bomber and showed that it had... So one of the reasons why uh, objects flying um, make noise uh, is because of the wind um, and friction against the body of the aircraft of them cutting through the air. But when you electrify the wings and the nose of like the, oh, um, the stealth bomber, for example, it oh, displaces the oxygen molecules in front of it, and therefore you have no friction, no drag, and no fucking noise. And um, and this has actually been now demonstrated that it's actually true. It's no longer speculation. They're like, yeah, that's how it works. We can't hide that anymore. But, but <laughs> just that, cool. that little thing about electrifying the wings yeah. of yeah. stealth craft so that they don't make sound. And why would they not make sound? How do you do that? Well, the sound, how is sound generated? Sound is generated by vibration of, of oxygen molecules and other uh, particles in the atmosphere that vibrate at the same exact frequency of the source of the sound, which then comes to our ears and vibrates at the exact same frequency and messes around with the hairs and the tympanic membrane and then gets transferred into an electromagnetic signal that we, we interpret as sound, of course. But if you eliminate the friction or the source of why the sound is happening, where these, these, these particles in the air are just simply being displaced because they're being repulsed rather than being crashed into and dragging across the surface of the wings. You no longer have any drag, so the ship is more efficient and also is not making all that noise. The electric slide. Oh, shit. Yes, it's the electric slide. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. But um, thanks for elaborating on that. I, I, you know, I, I never looked into it myself. Um, but yeah, I remember vaguely hearing about the, the nose tip and the wings being electrified to eliminate drag and reduce friction. I think that's fucking rad, dude. What a cool I mean, it seems like such a no brainer. Like, have we tried that yet? You know, like, that seems like one of the first things we would try. Um, just for funsies but yeah sometimes it just takes us a while to come across these ideas and put two and two together um so interesting i was wondering um specifically before we go i'll, I'll give you a chance to dip out if you want um if you uh, had any um insight on anything new happening with transcranial magnetic stimulation like something you can maybe do at home um maybe new methodologies they're using, new ways they're using the technology. Um, I'm sure they've only gotten better in the 10 years since I've heard about it. Well, I don't, really I don't particularly look so much into uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, but there are a lot of adjacent technologies. Like, uh, because I work at a gym, uh, this company called EM Sculpt, which stands for Electromagnetic Sculpt Neo, EM Sculpt Neo, they use a version, something that's like TENS, right? Um, and basically, it's stimulating of the muscles. And they've shown that it can help reduce, spot reduce body fat in certain areas. 
and also stimulate and strengthen the muscle tone. So what I'm saying is it's an adjacent technology is that electromagnetic stimulation of the mind and body is becoming more and more and more prominent and dominant as time goes along. Now, I don't know anything about uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, except I feel like it's one of the better uses of electromagnetic te technology. But well, I mean, there's I just so many the, places. Yeah, I yeah. just dropped another link in the comments uh, about another a new technology that uses just plain old vibration, like certain frequencies of vibration to reduce anxiety, uh, help with focus and that kind of thing. Literally all, all it is, is uh, a vibrate, a vibrator. It's a vibrator, <laughs> you know, well, and you, you know, it's a wearable vibrator. Vibrate. It vibrates like part of your wrist or your ankle or whatever. And it mitigates your mood and your consciousness through pure vibration. So I, I well, dropped the link for that for you in the, the, in the comments. Nice. I see it. But there's and, uh, there's like, for example, insights about Michael Persinger you might be able to drop on us. I I don't know, but but about transcranial magnetic stimulation, like it's it's one of these things that like for example, I don't know if you know this, but the FDA has cleared the technology, right? Um, right. And and uh, some companies that are using it are billing it as like they're saying, oh, it's covered by insurance. Uh, Tricare uh, will cover it. Military any... insurance. Tricare will cover it. No yep. has it. Uh, you won't. No side effects. It's cleared by the FDA. It's non-drug, non-invasive. So you you'll hear yeah. stuff like that um, about yeah. it. Like you know, Cigna covers it. Tricare, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. Like you yeah. can. So if anything, you know. There's advanced therapy systems that help with like depression and stuff like that. So they're kind of soft pushing transcranial uh, magnetic stimulation, but we'll see how as it develops because there's a lot of companies that are investing a lot of money into yeah. doing uh, stuff like that. So, getting to make a transition, kind of like into yeah, all, all the new, I think all the new tech is going to hit us all at once in one kind of fell swoop, and it's going to be like, oh, look what we made happen. You know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it feels like they're waiting for the right time to kind of release some of the more common sense technology that we should be using. That makes sense. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Dude, I, I appreciate uh, you starting your daily science report room and inviting me to to vent some of this uh, interesting stuff. And Samantha, did you change your picture, or am I just going crazy? Did you change to another photo? And you you have really cool uh, art that you overlaid onto your photo. Dude. That's actually sweet face tats. And yeah, if y'all yeah. want to call in, I do encourage you guys. If y'all have any questions before we close the room out, please do call in. Um, don't hesitate to ask a question or. Make a comment, uh, make us clarify something, um, and anything you'd like to hear about in particular, we're super interested in getting to know y'all too. Um, but Hakeem, you're such an interesting dude. I can't wait to talk to you again in the future. I mean, um, I'd like to delve into any one of these topics uh, more deeply with you. I will invite you to co-host some of these uh, shows with me if you're ever down. And I'm totally down. I'm totally I'm down as a moderator. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel, you did a really good job earlier with uh, staying on track, and you're really cool and kind about it. And um, yeah, I can see you make a great moderator. And 
Is there anything you want to touch on before I let you go give you a chance to dip out? I gotta I gotta start using both my hands to make some food here yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I yeah, it. I just um I I just once again appreciate it. Um thanks for hanging out with us. Samantha, Jojo, Greg, Rudy, uh North was here a little bit earlier and whoever came through Vladdy. Um and I'm just looking forward to having more discussions like this. And um anybody if uh you have some rooms, uh, please invite me. I like to listen while I'm working, just like how Brady is doing. I'm, I'm here working right now. I've been, you know, in, in Starbucks, just uh, working on my websites and, and just trying to get some ideas together. And, um, you know, I'm going to go to the gym here in a little bit, but I'm always just, I'm, I'm always open. I'm really a big fan of, of these kind of social audio uh, gatherings. Right on, man. Well, you're a total resource yourself, and I dropped some cool resources for you in the comments. I hope you find those interesting, and we can have a conversation about the uh, vibrator, maybe, (laughs) in the next episode. (laughs) Indeed, good sir. Yes, sir. All right, dude. I'm looking forward to going through all of your material. Do you want to drop one more of your links, or uh, should I just highlight one of your links you dropped at the bottom, the... uh, no, um, athletics.com is one of them you dropped. You also dropped uh, Uniquilibrium, I, I believe. Yeah, well, one of the main things I, I want people to check out would be, uh, it would be really easy. Just go to hakeemalexander.com, and on, on that site, I'll, I'll drop that in there, but on that site, it's uh, it, it links. There's a, 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 a link on the top on the page that says uh, Creative Include. And my name is also in there, and it links out to my other site, exercisingyourmind.com, and my news site. And But exercisingyourmind.com is just a site that I have that just has free information for people to go on there and to be able to just tap into um, different resources, like just a quick cursory uh, look through it. Yesterday, one of my authors published an article called Affordable and Easy, um, and Easy Strategies to Improve Your Health. Uh, there's another one called Six Helpful Tips to Help You Survive and Thrive During a Recession. And just kind of resources like that. And, um, and HakeemAlexander.com, one of my authors just uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago published something on there called Best Practices to Follow When Tracking the Performance of Your Business Website. But, and they all connect there. And like I said, it's all free resources, guys. So I'm not selling anything there. I mean, there's probably some donation buttons here and there around there. But that, that's it. Um, Right on. Okay. Sounds like a good resource, my dude. I really appreciate that. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking to you again in the future and maybe meeting you in person and working together on something one day. Yeah, you're in Texas, right? I am in Texas. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, – I'm not going to be staying in uh, – I'm in Virginia Beach right now. I'm not staying here for long. I just – it's not the place for me, and – uh, I well, just, I can be um, right on the ground, my dude, and I'm also trying to sell a house that I'm, I'm sell this property that I'm living on right now to somebody cool who will let me turn it into a microphone. So, if you know anyone cool who wants to move to Texas and let me turn their property into a micro farm, send them my way. That's awesome. Where would you Where would you be going to? Uh, right outside of San Antonio, um, a little town called Holotus um, is where I'm staying right now. Wait, that's where you're at now. But I mean, where would you want to go to after you sell your house? Oh, I want to stay here. Um, I live on a little like shack on the property, and the property's going up for sale by the way, landlord. And so I'm looking okay. for somebody cool to buy the property and just let me keep renting from them. Ah, I see. That's awesome. 
Wow. It's like a big, um, it's, like a, it's like two acres or something like that, an acre and a half maybe. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, guys. Uh, who's, who's got the next meetings coming up? I'm ready to listen while I'm working. I, I don't have much time. I'm going to be getting to sleep by like 8 o'clock. Well, no, I'm going to be up for a long time, but I'm just not going to be out. <laughs> so yeah. I'll have to listen. Gonna, I got to get ready to put this food in my face. All right, brother. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming Looking by. Looking forward to uh, talking bro. to you again, man. You're awesome, brother. Likewise. Stay cool. All right. Stay well. Bye-bye.